Vampire War for the Second City is a Vampire the Masquerade 5th edition actual play podcast presented by DM Fiat with I, Dale, as storyteller. Please be advised that this podcast contains descriptions of gore, depravity, addiction, coercion, and other adult themes. This is not D&D. This is a game where we play monsters of the night who do monstrous things. Hello everyone, welcome to our very latest session of Vampire War for the Second City. This session is entitled Render Unto Caesar, and it is going to be a very fun episode. It is Ash's birthday today, and as such, the kindred community of Melbourne shall provide lots and lots of dense multi-layered intrigue to negotiate at Elysium. So, we're continuing directly on from last session. Vincent's modified CRX and Derek's old beta carry you through the city, across the Yarrow River and into South Bank towards the National Gallery where Squizzy's Emergency Elysium has been hauled tonight. The clock is just about to tick over past midnight, meaning the night is no longer young, but there is still plenty of time for kindred plots to unfold. And as you travel to Elysium, I would like to ask oh. you all, do you feel you Hold are ready? Hold on a second there. No, because we were going to stop at Vincent's place first. We were, yes, to get ready for Elysium. <laughs> Vincent's apartment happens to be relatively close by to where Elysium is, maybe only a block or two away. So it's only at the very last leg of your journey that you diverge off 
the path to Elysium and park your cars in the underground car park underneath Vincent's apartment building at QV Melbourne. Vincent leads you into the elevator and wordlessly presses a button and metallic doors shutter behind you and the elevator lurches as it carries you up onto the sixth floor where Vincent's apartment waits for you, your temporary refuge from the chaos of this night thus far. And Vincent, as you place your key in the door, unlock your apartment and gesture for everyone to head inside. Well, I step inside first. You step inside and first. Just, and just tidy up stay a little bit. Yep, just tell everyone to wait outside for a sec and head inside, tidy up. Is there anything in particular that you do to be ready for your guests? Frankly, there's nothing to hide. I just want to get the clothes off the floor at the very least. Uh, Vincent hasn't had a lot of visitors in quite a while. Yep, clothes off the floor, a couple old car tuner magazines that you just brush away under the couches and tables out of view. And then head to the door, pull it open, apologise to the others for making them wait and gesture for them to enter. Do you all step inside Vincent's apartment? Modern. Without him, yeah. Modern, trendy. The type of place that would easily cost a couple grand a week in rent something most people in Melbourne would be unable to afford unless they happen to be particularly successful businessmen or Ventru. Make sure you take off your shoes. <laughs> oh, definitely. So now that you are here, what do you wish to do? Uh, you all need to... Well, who needs to get shouted up? You're covered right about in, that. Covered in blood. Yes. Yep. Covered in blood, yeah. covered in mucks, scuff marks, residue from the flashbang grenade. Yeah. You want to go first, Sylvia? I'd appreciate that, thanks. <laughs> go ahead. It's just down the corner. You point, right. uh, point Sylvia in the direction of your shower, conveniently fa- forgetting that Sylvia will have to pass by your bedroom, the door wide open to get there. Oh, yes. What's in the bedroom? What do I see? It's fine. My bedroom's king. fine. Tell me it's a kink dungeon. <laughs> it's not a kink dungeon. I'm, a, I'm imagining that it's mostly, mostly fine. You know, it's just a big bed in the middle of a room. But what catches Sylvia's eye are the posters of various Japanese tuners emblazoned on the walls. Interesting. Okay. <laughs> um, make a note of that, and then I'll go on my way to shower. Yep. So you take it in turn. Sylvia emerges a few minutes later, and although she's not looking her best after all, you still haven't had a chance to stop into your own havens and collect your best clothing. You feel, Sylvia, that you're looking at least presentable enough for Elysium. 
And so the next person takes a turn until Mm. about 20 to 25 minutes later, you all stand in the main living area of Vincent's apartment, much cleaner than you were when you entered. You've done your best to make sure you look presentable in the clothes you're wearing. You've straightened your hair. You've dusted the dirt and muck off your clothes, cleaned your skin, and tried to make yourselves smell nice. And Hope has actually dipped into her backpack and changed outfits. Yes, because Hope carries Sheesh. spare outfits for these <laughs> these situations. It is a large backpack, and she learned after the first time. Uh, basically, she's wearing a little black dress. Little black dress can never go wrong. The classic. Yep. And this reveals on her back there's a tattoo, a big one that stretches from shoulder blades to butt. It is a pair of wings. Mm. Brown and white, feathered. And the detail on it is incredible. So this Sylvia... was obviously not put there overnight. Sylvia and Derek, you've seen Hope dressed up before in a backless dress. Last time you had to dress for the occasion when you presented yourselves to Squizzy. Do you remember she did not have this tattoo at that time? Vincent, you have no way to know whether this tattoo is new, but you do notice it's incredibly well detailed, and you can only wonder whether Hope had this done very, very, very close to her embrace due to its exquisite detail that would have faded over the years otherwise. Okay, we need to talk game plan. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Okay, let's review what we have to bring to Claude first. Vincent brushes um, a impromptu pile of dress jackets away from the couch and then takes a seat in front of his glass coffee table, leans in for the group huddle. Question about Elysium. I suppose you would know, and I'll glance at Vincent. Um, is it more like a um, a party sort of mingling event, or is it a kind of you sit down, friends on silent listening theatre sort of event? Uh, in Squeezie's court, it's uh, I mean it's not the most formal affair in the world. Um, it's there's a little mingling going on outside, uh, but considering that we're presenting after a mission, we're probably going to be taken aside to a room to discuss things. Um, yeah, uh, we're probably not going to get a whole lot of time to like casual socializing tonight. In addition to that, Vincent, I'd like I like you to make an intelligence politics role, please. Sure. Oh, what's that? Uh, that was. Sorry. Um, one success. So. It does occur to you that there are two things sort of unique about this Elysium. One, that Squizzy is apparently there. And two, that he has called this Elysium and invited everyone to attend. Usually Elysium 
in Melbourne is something of a casual affair. There are many places in the city that are designated Elysium, and kindred just sort of tend to show up whenever they like, whenever they have business to discuss, whenever they want to mingle. There's no set times, no one typically announces them. It is known that occasionally, however, there are special Elysiums where Squizzy will actually employ the services of the Torridor Primogen, Maria Diamante, who is the Keeper of Elysium, to hold a formal Elysium event. These are the times when everyone in the city will be present and Squizzy will be there. He usually has a disdain for court. So when he's there, it means he's got something important to say or do. And tonight seems to be one of those occasions. I, I relay this. Um, okay. So this isn't going to be a usual one. We might get to social it. Okay. Normally, Regard it's basically just clotting. All right. <laughs> for regardless, regardless of which it is, we've got something to sort out before we get there. We need to call the sheriff and let him know what happened. That's a good because idea. we haven't done that yet. And we need to meet him before Elysium and hand over the laptop and show him the evidence. Because the laptop says, hey, there's an infiltrator somewhere in kindred society. And we don't want the laptop going in and saying this to whoever Scrizzy is going to have look over it at Elysium because they could be the infiltrator. So I'm thinking we show the sheriff the laptop, give it to him before, and that way he can start poking around to see what jibes. Works for me. I don't think he's the infiltrator. He gave us a choice on which way to go. He wouldn't have done that. Mm. He would have said, hey, you lot, go there. I'll take the other one. Yeah, and you can only wonder what would have happened if he was in the SI ambush instead of you. Perhaps on his own, they would have fared much better. Hmm. Okay, so aside from that, I'm thinking we have you turn over the remaining evidence and in court if it's a public thing. And even if it's not a public thing, we probably want you taking point, Vincent. The reason for this is because, one, you've got the most glory to reap from this. <laughs> Seriously, you're in a better situation in court than any of us. Yeah, and two... <laughs> And two, because you're a smooth talker and can spin it any pretty well. <clears throat> the rest of us, honestly, are kind of burned out at yeah. this point. That makes sense. Um, we have a body still in my car. Yeah. Well, to... we'll have... We should well, not be bringing that into Elysium. Um, we might that's another thing that we can turn over to the sheriff. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let everyone good. Everyone want, anyone want to say something before we call a D's? No? Okay. No. So, Derek, right. on your mind is the matter of the Thin Bloods. Yeah. 
who are currently on their way to the Red Star, aren't they? Yeah, they're currently on their way to the Red Star, but with what Vincent said about most kindred in the city, or at least Camarilla kindred being present, you suspect Professor Cypher will be there, and you suspect that perhaps if you're going to have any chance at all to at least broach the topic of the Thin Bloods with him, tonight might be a good option. Yeah. So Hope, you reach into your pocket and then remember that your phone is currently lying in pieces on the floor of the nightclub. And so you ask, Hope crosses her arms and uh, bits wobble. She got some curves. <laughs> Shakes so, her head. Somebody else want to call him? I can't. <laughs> yeah, all right. Vincent reaches into the pocket of his dress jacket and pulls out an old-fashioned, non-smartphone. He dials the number that Adiz gave you. And, Vincent, do you put it on loudspeaker or do you just handle this yourself? Uh, on my own. On your own, yep. So you stand up and you walk slightly out of the living area into the door of your bedroom, just resting against the door frame. The phone rings once, twice, and then there's a click. And the first thing you hear is heavy breathing on the other end. (sighs) (sighs) Merriweather, that you? You recognise Adiz's voice on the other end. It sounds strained. Adiz, what's going on? Uh, You find anything at the other location? Yeah, I've got some stuff that I'd rather not bring to Elysium. Huh. Great minds think alike, huh? <laughs> mm. uh, where can I meet you? He says, oh, well, where are you now? Uh, we're currently at my apartment. It's just, uh, it's quite close to Elysium, so whatever works for you. He thinks for a moment. He says, hmm. Look, with what I have and what I suspect you have, I don't feel meeting on the street is the best idea. I'm not going to ask you... I'm not going to ask for access to your haven, but I'm assuming apartment building that you live in, there's, you know, there's a big underground car park or something like that. Uh, There is, but it has cameras. You might want to uh, come around behind. I think there's a maintenance closet somewhere. This is all right. He says, look, we'll, we'll meet in the maintenance closet of your car park. Cameras won't be a problem for me, but make sure you don't do anything conspicuous. Trust me, I've been doing this for a while. I'll flag it down. All right, I'll see you as soon as I can. I'm going to go quickly hunting. I've burned a lot of blood. He breathes heavily again. But I'll see you as soon as I can. And then there's a click. Quick. He's on his way. Cool. Uh, where are we meeting him? (laughs) Come downstairs. (laughs) Downstairs? Okay. So you... At some point, I need to get my motorcycle out of your trunk. Yes. That'll work work out well. (laughs) 
so Vincent, you gesture for everyone to follow you, and you stand at the doorway leading out of the apartment, wait for them to leave before you, and then you're the last one out. You pull the door shut behind you and press the button on your key ring to lock the door, and then you head to the elevator, press the button labelled B1, and wait as once again it lurches and carries you down to the underground car park. The doors slide open, revealing the vast expanse of concrete and shadows before you. The place is certainly dark enough to conduct secret meetings, but as you expected, Vincent, there are cameras. You point out the three cameras you know about to the rest of the coterie, one right outside the elevator, another watching the ramp up onto the street, and a third one that sweeps left and right across the main car park area. This really isn't ideal. Um... Yeah, especially since we're supposed to be transferring a cold one. Yeah, how are you going to do this? uh, I'd rather not take out any cameras because that'll hold out security. Um, yeah. You do know, Vincent, that there is usually at least one security guard present, even at this time of night. Usually they can be found in the little security room that's opposite the ticket booth in front of the ramp leading up to the street. Hmm. There have been times in your kindred, quote-unquote, career where you've had to bring suspicious things through here, and the security guards have proven to be pliable in the past, but it's up to you whether you wish to enforce such drastic measures tonight. I can at least keep him distracted. Keep who distracted? The security guard. Oh. You could slip him a hundo and tell him to go take a walk for a bit. I have uh, more discreet methods than that. <laughs> okay. I'm sure you could just literally tell him to go take a walk. <laughs> yeah, that's <is> true. <laughs> you go, man. Tell him to you're turn the cameras girl. off for a second. Yeah, I, I um, I'm gonna walk up to him. Uh, can you uh, organize everything, collect all the evidence that we need to hand over? Uh, um, sure, just open the car and pop the trunk and. Uh, yeah. Vincent points um, his uh, key ring at his car parked about halfway across the car park and you hear it beep indicating everything's unlocked I go start getting things up starting with my motorcycle yep you so know, Vincent you cross the car park and walk towards the security office you, pe- pre- you press up against the foggy flexi glass and you see the security guard on the other side he doesn't seem to be paying attention at the moment you can see the monitor with the security feed to his right but he's not looking at it instead he's facing the ramp leading up to the street and seems to be completely fixated on his phone where he's watching highlights of the night's football match for now, I will just hover um, 
rather than like alerting him and maybe tipping him off by chatting to him. But uh, I will be ready to grab his attention if not if at all needed. Yep. So you're just gonna stay there, and if he turns his attention to the security monitor, you're gonna distract him. Hmm. So yeah, I'll knock like, on the door or something. Yeah. I'd like you to make a wits awareness check, please, to maintain your readiness. Yeah. Uh, two successes. Two successes, lovely. So meanwhile, the rest of you make your way to Vincent's car and Derek, you reach out, slide your hand underneath the boot handle and it clicks as you lift it up and sure enough there you see the grey, torpid dead body of Lily lying in the trunk. She's already begun to putrefy. Her skin has started to turn grey. In spots it's peeling away, revealing the bone underneath. Thin bloods it appears do not decay as quickly as full-blooded kindred. But you're not going to have evidence forever, so you may as well deal with it tonight. Hope reaches in, extracts her motorcycle, and begins to unfold it, leaving the task of transporting the corpse to Derek and Sylvia. How would you like to do this? I assume you're just going to get her out and carry her across the car park to the maintenance closet? Yep. Um, considering my vocation, I'll um, help direct Derek um, so that we move it in a way that least damages the body. Yes. So I'd like you, Sylvia, to yeah. please make an intelligence medicine check. Um, only one success. Only one success. So given the heavily decayed state of the body, you're not sure whether your usual transportation methods will help preserve it anymore. So, but you, you impart information and instructions to Derek anyway, helping him lift it out of the back. You usually would transport a body on a stretcher or something like that, but it's going to be up to Derek to carry it himself over his shoulder. You help him carefully hoist it over his shoulder and show him how to move slowly and purposefully so as to not jostle the body around and cause internal damage to the bones or any other parts of the body that are more susceptible to damage now that the decay has set in. And Derek, with Sylvia's instructions in mind, I would like you to make either a strength athletics or a intelligence occult check. Weirdly enough, strength athletics is actually better. <laughs> Very well. Huh. Is Derek secretly buff under all that book training? <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, yeah, it's a weird side effect of me trying to make sure my scorpion blood works most of the time because it uses strength blood uh, blood sorcery, whereas like everything else uses like charisma or like intelligence. Yeah, yeah, I feel you. Yeah. Like, yeah, he, he's weirdly strong despite how I meant him to be. <laughs> and this is the first time you notice Sylvia that as Derek strides forwards with the body hoisted over his shoulder and he's using his right hand to prop it up. You notice that his right bicep seems to positively bulge under his thick layers of trench coat and Tremere garb. You realise for the very first time that Derek is actually much stronger than he looks. So Derek, how many successes did you get? Uh, two successes. Two successes. So Derek carries the body forward into the car park and you manage to cross about half of the car park before we cross to Vincent. Vincent, on the other side of the glass, the security guard yawns and stretches. He places his phone in his pocket and then out of the corner of his eye, he seems to catch the flicker of movement on the security monitor. The blurry pixelated image that you rec recognize as Derek slowly transporting the body across the car park. He swivels in his chair, about to turn, and then you loudly say, Excuse, Excuse me, you Do you knock on the window? I do. Knock on the window. He seems to jump, startled by the sound, and then he whirls around, facing you, and he looks up and he says, What do you need? Oh, oh, Mr. Merriweather, Mr. Merriweather, uh, what can I do for you tonight? Uh, something, something you need, something wrong. Uh, yeah, um... I've, I've been having um okay look this is really embarrassing I, I don't I don't really want to bring it up with anyone else um look do you know much about cars he leans in he raises an eyebrow he says cars well you know I see a fair few of them coming down here Sometimes I see some pretty nice makes and models. I ain't much of the enthusiast myself, but you know, when I see a nice looking car, I see a, a nice looking car and, well, look, Mr. Merriweather, I'm not paid enough to spread rumors or anything like that. So if there's something you want to share with me, uh, your secret's safe with me. Actually, it's... It's really embarrassing. I just need your input on something. Um, obviously, you got a lot of uh, pretty upmarket clientele coming in here. Um, does my car look out of place? <laughs> so I'd like you to make a charisma subterfuge check, please. Sure. Um, that's a die. A die, even. Four successes. He shrugs and he says, Oh, well, well, sure, you know, I see a lot of nice looking wheels here. Man, sometimes, you know, feel a little bit jealous. You know, I'd never be able to afford anything like that. And, well, Mr. Merriweather, he stands up and he presses himself against the glass and he sort of 
seems to perk himself up on his tippy toes, peering over your shoulder, squinting, and he says, Look, Mr. Merriweather, every time your car comes through, I always notice it, and it definitely stands out. Look, look, I ain't one for those, you know, Japanese rice boxes, you know, I, I like the old, I like the European uh, sports cars, but you got a nice set of wheels, Mr. Merriweather, never let anyone tell you otherwise. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. Does he have a name tag? He does. You look down at his name tag. It says Charlie on it. He wears on my back, Charlie. I feel like I can trust you. Well, yeah, I, I do my best, Mr. Merriweather. And I mean, it's not like much happens here at night, you know. I could spend the whole shift staring at that monitor there. He jabs a thumb over his shoulder and by now you could see Derek reaching the rightmost edge of the screen. He's almost off. Um, and he says, but, you know, no one's going to be sneaking into a place like this. In the middle of the CBD, you, you got to be fucked in the head to think you're going to get away with any sort of crime here. So, you know, I, I look at people's cars and... You know, I take stock of which ones look good, you know, which people are obviously raking it in and which ones aren't, and, well, you know, I may not go for the same types of cars as you, Mr. Merriweather, but I like to think I got a good eye, so, you know, if you ever need an opinion or any advice or anything, I'm happy to help. Thanks, man, I really appreciate it. Honestly, I don't, I don't think they pay you enough for this boring work. He sighs and he says, you're telling me, I mean, $36 an hour ain't nothing to sneeze at, but still, I mean, this is the CBD, this is QV Melbourne, it's, you know, best of the best live here, and, well, it's, I thought some of it would at least trickle down to old Charlie. It's a tough break, man. Uh, is the camera clear? You look over and you see, you see Derek just disappear off the rightmost edge. Alright, thanks for, thanks for reassuring me, man. I, I, I was, I'm sorry to take up your time, and I pointedly do not give him any money. <laughs> yeah. You got it, Mr. Merriweather, and then as you turn around and walk away, you distinctly hear him with your vampiric senses mutter under his breath. Fucking ingrate. <laughs> <laughs> You see Sylvia and Derek gathered in front of the entrance to the maintenance area, and Hope is there uh, as well with her motorcycle propped up against the wall, the kickstand, holding it on I've the floor. Yep. I've also snagged the laptop and the phone. Yep. And they're just in and a bag over, slung over your shoulder. Actually, they're out at the minute because I am... Basically, what I'm doing is I'm copying the files to uh, plain text and uploading them to a uh, private Google Drive. Ah, yes. Under the names of Bad Fanfic 1 and Bad Fanfic, Fanfic 2. Two. <laughs> yeah. So Hope's just there and she's got the laptop open, sitting it propped up on top of the motorcycle, tapping furiously away as you approach. And just as you reach her, she looks up with a smile and then folds the laptop shut. Always good to have backups. And the back and the laptop's Wi-Fi gets turned off again. Yes. Turn it off, close it up, 
and then Derek steps forwards and straining onto the weight of Lily's body. He pushes out with his left hand, pushing open the metal door with the word maintenance stenciled on it. You step inside of the maintenance room and Vincent fumbles around in the darkness for a moment until he finds the light switch. A dim, flickering bulb bursts to light, revealing that you are in a cramped concrete room, the walls lined with rusted metal shelves that are groaning under the weight of cleaning supplies, chemicals, cardboard boxes, and various maintenance tools. It appears Adiz is not here yet. Derek lowers the body down into the centre of the room, and then you wait. Is there anything you'd like to do while you wait for Adisa to turn up? Another question. How long do we reckon this Elysium's going to go for? Oh, probably quite a while. It's a formally cold one, so it could go all night. Great. Okay. <laughs> Depends yeah, what business Squizzy has to discuss and whether he's able to get satisfactory answers or not. Is, uh, I might get, um, Derek, actually, if you wouldn't mind making a, or texting someone for me. Yeah, sure. Um, and I will recite, uh, Dorian's phone number. Um, if you wouldn't mind texting my friend. Um, going to be out late. There's a bit of work I need you to help me with. Jason Broderick's body at the funeral home. Could you prepare it? Question mark. And add a um a, a smiley face at the end, but not an emoji one, just like a colon in the bracket yeah, to indicate less one. hostility. Derek sends this, and then you wait in silence. About five minutes oh. later, Derek's phone vibrates, and. He holds it up so you can see the screen, and it's a response from Dorian. It simply says, Will do. Rework for you. Things to discuss about those people you mentioned. Meet at yours afterwards? Question mark. Um, send him a thumbs up emoji. Derek nods. He presses the button. You hear scuffing on the concrete from the other side of the metal door and then someone turns the doorknob and the door seems to open of its own accord. It shuts as if an unseen hand is manipulating it and then stepping out of thin air in the middle of the room standing over Lily's body is a deeze. You notice that his clothes are torn in several places and there are a number of scratches and scrapes on his face and on his bare arms. Raises an eyebrow, nods at each of you and he says, Ah, you're here, good, don't have to wait. Fuck happened to you? Uh, ran into this, he says, and reaches into his coat and pulls out a misshapen bundle that's been clumsily wrapped in newspaper and you can see several blood stains leaking through the paper and 
stale brown coloured blood drips onto the concrete floor. He looks at it with disgust and then tosses it onto the ground in front of him next to Lily. And that is... He gestures towards it. Go ahead, unwrap it if you like. Prepare yourselves, though. Ain't pretty to look at. Mince his hands during firmly his pockets. <laughs> I shake my head, and I delicately reach down and unwrap it. Hope leans down. She gingerly parts the blood-soaked paper and unwraps the bundle. And is anyone watching... Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So you all feel feel a momentary wave of disgust run through your minds, and you nearly gag as Hope parts the last bit of paper and reveals what's inside. At first, it is the decapitated head of a dog, which is disgusting enough to look at on its own, but then you realise that fused into the dog's head on the back is a human face. Its eyes are wide open and its mouth is stuck frozen in an expression of intense anguish. The fuck am I looking at? The entire fuck. What? Adiz says, now imagine that that thing was attached to, uh, how can I best describe, a dog body walking on two legs with half of a human attached to the front of it, guiding it along. Tell me it wasn't saying Edward. (laughs) (laughs) Adiz doesn't get the reference and... Deez doesn't get the reference, and he just nonchalantly shrugs, and he says, "Uh, wasn't saying much of anything, just growling and screaming, and as soon as it saw me, did its damned best to get rid of me. Okay. So, there's a couple of things you're going to want to read, sir. (laughs) I can sum it up for you if you'd prefer. Go ahead, he says. We got down there and we got her trail. She came out of the water. We followed her into a dark alley. After a protracted chase, she turned around and unleashed on us. But bullets did an amazing amount of harm to her. We were fighting a really tough thin blood. He raises an eyebrow and he whistles. He says, Thin blood did all that? He gestures towards the strange dog head. He says, surely this isn't her handiwork. Oh, no, no, it gets worse. See, uh, when she lifted me into the air, she gloated about how her friends would were way worse than we were. And when she when she died, she dropped this phone where she uh, basically details how she got turned 30 years ago, barely escaped Larson, and was found by the Sabbat during her travels. So the Sabbat and, 
are involved in this whole mess, he says. Yeah, and I will incite him as I'm saying this, just, you know, because I'm suspicious. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Only one success. So, and, uh, the way he, he nonchalantly reacts to you saying this tells you that you're telling him almost what he expected to hear. But that's about it. Yeah, see, the Sabbat, her friend there, told her, helped her plan this whole thing, this attack on the club, the stealing of the picture, and told her to come to this alley where he'd be waiting to back her up if she got into any trouble. But about the time we finished glancing this over, the doors above us opened, and a bunch of guys in suits with stake launchers and flashbangs showed up and called us blank bodies and tried to kill us. Nadiz whistles again. He says, No kidding, you mean SI? Yeah, seems that way. And Task you know Force what? Harker, no doubt. And the funny thing? Her buddy in the Sabata told her to go straight to a listening post they had there. And I, they had an la- unsecured laptop. He looks down, notices the laptop you're holding under your shoulder, and he says, and you lifted it. Yeah, turned off the GPS, did some stuff. It's very basic, but it should probably be disposed after we're done with it. And also for another reason, because you should probably go ahead and read this. It won't take long. And I show him the mission orders reads them silently he frowns and then when he hands them back he says hmm so see my question is why didn't martin know about this i distinctly asked squizzy when the call first came in to tap martin for any info about si activities what's harker up to in the city tonight specifically And he says, nothing. We're clear to go ahead with our operation. Clean up as per usual, and he'll do everything on his end to keep things quiet. And yet you say they have a listening post. Yeah. So, and it refers to a blank body infiltrator. I see that, he says. Squizzy is going to want to see this. Yeah, but I don't think anybody else should. Oh, I agree, he says. We're going to want to get Squizzy on his own. Definitely not with Larson around, and especially not with Specs. We're going to want to hand this over so that only Squizzy can see it. Right. So we're thinking presenting the evidence in court... The Anarch, her phone, an explanation of what happened, and the laptop privately to Squizzy. Sound about right, guys? Dee's nods, and he says, Look, Elysium's like this. I've been to a couple. Squizzy doesn't like court. He's not going to be mingling with the others. When he needs evidence presented, he's going to call us into a little room on the side somewhere. We'll be able to do this out of the eye shot and hopefully earshot of anyone else 
main problem's gonna be specs. You you know what specs is like. Trails, squizzy everywhere. He's like a sick little puppy. Okay. And, well, you know, he's the Seneschal, and he's supposed to be trustworthy, but he just gives me the heebie-jeebies every time I see him, and I think... I agree with you here, Hope. This should be for Squizzy's eyes only, not even the Seneschal. Alright. So, how do we deal with the... I mean, I guess we'll have to get Specs out of the room, and Larson, if he's there, too. He says, hopefully you guys will know how to handle that. I'm going to be speaking to... I'm going to be speaking to a friend of mine, Aisha Ansari, leader of the Banu Hakim here in the city. I promised I'd keep her up to date on what happened tonight. After all, if Squizzy's satisfied with our performance, he'll have no reason to deny her when she pushes for a seat on the Primogen Council next time. So I'll leave Larson and potentially Specs to you, but... I'm sure you're interested in hearing what I got up to while you were dealing with all that. Like dog people, yeah? Yeah, dog people. So I turned up at the other location where she may have come out of the water. See no signs anyone's emerged from the river. I'm about to turn and leave. Then the scent of blood catches me. Smell it on the air. So I follow it go around the corner behind some behind the loading bay for some hippie food market blood everywhere and these two guys wearing police uniforms they've been torn to shreds just discarded and left on the concrete so i'm trying to figure out what happened and my first thought is well you know she must have been here and done that and then, before I know it, <laughs> I see this thing come charging out of the shadows. I see the canine teeth. I shit myself, because I'm thinking lupine. <laughs> right? So I'm about to turn and run. Lupine? He looks... Yeah, yeah. Vincent answers it. And... Wait, werewolves are a thing? Adiz whistles. Oh, almost everything's a thing. Oh, good. Adiz whistles and says... Yeah, you guys, I forget how young you are, but that's a thing. Get used to it. You're vampires. Uh, all right. <laughs> right, right. Uh, t table that, table that. So they come charging out at you. So it comes charging out at me. I turn. I'm getting out of there. At least get to the shadows so I can get my obfuscate on. Catches up with me because the thing's sprinting with four dog legs and a set of human legs. And then it gets down on all eight. He says uncertainly, the arms are pushing it along the ground. It catches up to me, pounces on me. I've got no choice but to fight back. I burn a shitload of blood, end up coming out on top. I call in some of my men to clean up the mess, but I figure this thing perhaps shouldn't be seen by just anyone. So I kick its body into the river, take the head for myself, figure you might like to see it. Wait for my guys to turn up. And then Vincent calls. And, well, I'm thinking, obviously the Sabat must be involved, because... 
that's some zamis shit going on. And whoever did it has oh a sick God. sense of humor. He reaches once more into his coat and he pulls out something made of silver on a chain. He hands it to you. And it's a tag, a dog tag. He says, Thing was wearing this around its neck. You flick up the dog tag and there's one word carved into it. It reads Baskerville. <laughs> That's <laughs> fucked up. Jesus, I never even thought this was... Wow. Yeah, that's... He says, so okay, I'm, ex- I'm suspecting... Thing. He says, I'm suspecting Sabat involvement. You got... You got her phone. Specifically says that she's in league with the Sabat. And, well... Don't suppose she mentioned anything about them having a penchant for flesh crafting? Bizarre abominations? Uh, she did rant about something along those lines. Didn't mention abominations, but... Okay. Yeah, so all said and told, I think we've uncovered something significant. Only question is, how do you want to present this? He says, if, if she's telling the truth and there's an infiltrator, then we've got to be very careful. Squizzy's eyes only... But, at this point, are we sure that the prince can be trusted? I mean, he is the prince, but many a prince has been tempted by power before. And, you know, we still got to bring these things into court. We still got to pass through a room full of every other kindred in the city. We're going to see you, dragon something into Squizzy's chamber and you know their minds are going to put two and two together and come to all sorts of conclusions well apparently I'd rather not drag anything into Squizzy's chamber I uh, feel like we can handle this a little more subtly than that the laptop and the phone need to get in there, but maybe That's not when- Ooh! Ooh! There's a thought. Yeah. I can copy the laptop files. Does Squizzy have, like, a computer in his office? Dee's just loudly scoffs. He says- <laughs> He laughs loudly. He says, Squizzy was embraced in 1927, mate. He doesn't even know what a laptop is and doesn't want to learn. He uses Specs and now Martin for that sort of stuff. So you want to present him this evidence, you're going to have to put it right up to his face where he can read it. All we need to get do is get him the words and convince him that... So here's what I'm thinking. We erase the part of the file that talks about... We copy the file to somebody's phone. We erase part of the file that talks about the blank body infiltrator. And we present him with a second Inquisition laptop that's been locked. And I tell him, I grabbed this, I couldn't get into it. Maybe your computer guys can have a go. I will relock it and... Uh... Let Specs and Martin find the rest? 
Yeah, I mean, they'll probably want to go and geek out on that, which will give us a chance to talk to Squizzy. I like it. He nods. Mm. I'll leave that up to you, then. Now, this body and this dog-human-head thing... Well, the dog head's easy enough. Wrap it up back up in newspaper, smuggle it in under your clothes. You there, Derek, your trench coat's more than big enough. You could probably fit it in there, no one will notice. But Lily here, Squizzy will want to have a look at her. He'll want to see her with his own eyes. He's going to want someone to blame. And also, he's going to make a power play. He's going to need someone to present to the rest of the kindred to show them that he's caught the culprit. So he's going to want to see her. And the question is how to get her to him without necessarily revealing her to anyone else, at least until Squizzy wants to reveal her. He says, I'm just thinking, if you guys are content to handle the laptop and the dog head... I can have Lily brought in in the guise of additional evidence found by my cleaners. Now, my cleaners will be meeting Squizzy's people ahead of time at a different location. They'll be bringing everything into Elysium through a secondary route. Not going to be passing through the rabble. Question is... Do you trust my people? I trust my people. But do you trust my people? We're taking a bit of a leap of faith by showing you the news on the infiltrator. So, and you're the best judge of your people. And it wouldn't look out of place for cleaners handling a body. That said, it is possible one of us could go with them. He nods. If we, if we really wanted to make sure. He nods, thinking about it. Please make a manipulation persuasion check. Alright, four dice. What the hey? Could get lucky. <laughs> One success. I'm going to roll something for him three successes he thinks for a moment he says mm, nah see they'll ask too many questions I know you're the ones who caught her and all but Squizzy knows my guys answer to me and me only and they're all hand picked you turn up in tow it's gonna gonna cause too many questions best yeah. if you handle things on your end your own way and I handle things on my end my own. All right. Well, you think, guys, should we turn the body over to the cleaners and trust them to get it there? Well, it's just a thought, but why don't we do like what we're doing with the dog head and just take her head in? That'd be a lot easier to get in. Hmm. Sure, we can get a cool. Uh, I, I'm trying to speak anyone else. Uh, what does my intuition say about how he would respond to being brought his severed head? <laughs> Make an intelligence, etiquette, or intelligence politics roll. Sure. Um, etiquette, let's, let's see. Five dice. 
three successes. So you know Squizzy's style. He likes to make grandiose displays of power to show why he shouldn't be crossed. He's going to want Lily nailed to a cross, literally, and have her on display for everyone to see. He's going to be less happy if you bring her ahead, but in the end, so long as he has someone or a piece of someone to present to everyone to show what happens if his rules are breached, he will be happy. Okay. Well, I'm not entirely opposed to bringing it straight in, it's a little uncouth, but uh... We've already brought in one severed head before. You have? Uh, Yep. Oh, well, it wasn't... It was kind of different circumstances. (laughs) (laughs) The D's shrugs, he says, I ain't complaining. You want to take her head off? Uh, I'll just have my cleaners dump her body in the river or something. Squizzy gets upset that he doesn't have, you know... A full body to parade around uh well i'll just leave that up to you to try to calm him down a bit after all you're the ones who caught her yeah all right um i'm down for a severed head idea dees doesn't wait for anyone else to say anything he just kneels down presses his knee into her neck rests his hands on her forehead and then you all look away and you hear a loud crack when you turn around he's holding her by the hair he looks over at hope and he says uh here catch and he tosses her head into the air no 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 this is a good damn it (laughs) hold out your hands and thump the head lands in your outreaching Mm. hands blood stale blackish sludge-like blood still leaking from the decapitation point. Ew. <laughs> You'll be fine. I have some wet wipes in my trunk. Well, I hope you have says like, D's. Oh, no, I've got a tarp. <laughs> it's done. No turning back. We all have our plans. Yep. No plan survives contact with the enemy. But we have our plans. So, you head to Elysium. You get started with the mingling. Try and get that laptop to Squizzy. Get him alone. And then when he's alone, let me know and I'll make an appearance. I'm going to hit up Aisha. Keep her up to date. And, well, you know. Sorry that I'm being so mercenary about it. But you guys are... Banner Hakeem's stepping stone to greatness tonight. No offense. This is how it works. No, it's fine. You were in the trenches with us. We don't mind. He just shrugs and he says, well, best of luck. Let's hope we all come through this in one piece. I'll see you on the other side. With that, he just turns, steps out of the maintenance room and slams the door shut without even giving you a chance to I'll turn the head to watch him go. Yeah. Turn the head and it just... Lily's vacant eyes just follow him as he leaves as the door shuts. <laughs> okay. I'll kneel down and do a quick... Uh, pretty much uh, 
edit on the file. Yep. To get rid of mention of the infiltrator. You delete all as all mentions. After moving of, it over to, after moving a copy over to Derek's phone. Yeah. So you you copy the unaltered file to Derek's phone, and then you go through the original file, remove all instances of any mentions to Subject A or any infiltrator. Deleting them from the text files is not enough, however. You have a suspicion that unless you cover your tracks more fully, it'll be very obvious to Specs that you simply deleted parts of the file. So please make an intelligence technology roll. Four dice. Could get lucky. One success. Okay. You can you happy to leave it at one? I have one willpower. Yeah, okay. So, so it looks like you have no choice but to leave it at one. So after purging maybe all mentions, somebody altered it. Who's to yeah, say it was me? Who's to say it was you? You remove all mentions of the infiltrator from the file, and then you dig around in the registry and a couple of other deep locations in the computer, removing little breadcrumbs here and there, all the ones that you can find the ones that you're aware of, and you're not 100% satisfied, but at the very least it should give anyone looking at it some pause. It might take them more than a few minutes to realise the file's been tampered with. You relock the computer and slam it shut. Well, if they're on the up and up and if they find it, then they'll think, hey, somebody tampered with it. And they'll bring it to Squizzy's attention, and if they're not on the up and up, and we'll never hear anything more of it. So this is kind of a win-win. All right, guys, we got anything else to do? How's your dress? Is it is it bloody? <laughs> yeah, the cut. Co- <laughs> it's bloody. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, the blood is so dark that the stains are only really visible when you're up close, but they are most certainly there. You know what? We've been working tonight. I have an excuse. Whatever. <laughs> How are you all looking in terms of hunger? Three. I'm not sure. Two. Yeah, two as well. Two, Sylvia. Um, I'm only at one of them. Oh, yeah, that's right, because you fed from the SI. Um, oh, I'm at three. Yeah. Do you feel do you feel that you are ready for Elysium? I'm always ready. Uh, I think I'm ready. Alright. Maybe they'll have blood there. Not, but never stopped they had blood there last time. They did have blood there. <laughs> they'll probably have blood there, but the question is will you be able to consume that blood without making a mess? We'll a, a quick recap of the plan. So we're just we're just giving them the the laptop. It'll be yeah. Fine. The, the laptop confirms that the SI were there to capture some blank bodies, and it identifies us as blank bodies to be captured. So it'll show we're on the radar. We removed mention of the infiltrator. I think I did. Okay. Okay. And then the phone is. 
the phone mentions her friend in the Sabat sending her, setting this up and sending her that way, and that's fine. With the sheriff's evidence, we've got more confirmation of the Sabat. It doesn't mention anything about the SI, though. Okay, right. So, yeah, so we're handing over the laptop mentioning the SI and her phone mentioning the Sabat, but nothing, we're not mentioning the infiltrator. And the dog's head confirming the Sabat. We're not mentioning the infiltrator. Yeah. No. Except when we're alone with Squizzy. Mm. Yeah. Sorry. And we're going to say there that the sheriff wanted us to raise this to his approval. Vincent, if you wanted to spearhead that too, you're a smooth talker. Yeah. <laughs> He's probably the one best equipped to do it. So. All right. Oh, Derek, Sylvia. After a few weeks, you want to bring the Thin Bloods over to my place, have a pizza party, talk about what the birds and bees and what not to do, that kind of thing. Well, that sounds like fun. Yeah. All right. Cool. Now let's go to a hall full of monsters. As you step out of the maintenance room, Sylvia, you notice this strange look on Hope's face and then you, in your head, you rephrase what Hope said to pizza and takeaway container party. Okay. (laughs) So, we skip forward a bit to about half an hour later. It's quarter to one in the morning, 12.45, and you've arrived at the site of Elysium, the National Gallery of Victoria, also known as NGV. You park your vehicles in the open parking lot across the road from the venue itself, and you wait for a lull in the late night traffic the roads of Melbourne still densely packed even at this hour and then cross over into the botanic gardens upon the edge of which stands the National Gallery. I hand the hand a tote bag with a wrapped head in it to Sylvia. Here you go. Oh, thank you, yes. Meanwhile, oh, he's got one thing, he's got another, I've got a phone, and Vincent's got a laptop, so... Yep. I got the head. You notice a slight bulge <laughs> under Derek's trench coat, the dog head, but when he moves his arm in front, holds it in front of himself in a certain way, he's able to disguise it. And the four of you walk towards NGV, a large square building of clean blue stone brick, surrounded by, of all things, a moat. A moat of bubbling black water. Fountains still turned on at this time of night, turning the whole thing into a wonderful water feature. There's a staircase that climbs up about half a metre, and then a stone bridge across the moat to an archway-shaped door leading into the gallery itself. There's a security guard standing in front of the door, and as you climb the stairs and approach him, he looks you up and down before turning around, unlocking the door and stepping aside silently. He gestures towards the open archway, and he says, the masters await within. So, one thing. I get to the top of the stairs and then stop at the the, uh, front of the bridge. Yep. Oh, Oh, it's come up. 
<laughs> so oh. the security guard just gestures and he says, the masters await for you within and you're about to take a step forwards. And you realise that Derek has lost pace with you. So you stand in the mouth of the archway, you turn around and you see Derek standing on the other side of the moat. The moat is right? the moat is just about level with the bridge. There is no rail or anything. One could just step off the concrete into the water if they wished. This is perhaps what is giving Derek pause. Everything okay? I can't cross. Are you serious? <sighs> <laughs> Okay, 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 okay. This is. Why can't you. Never mind. I look at the guard. Is there a way around that doesn't involve small bridges? He says, fire exit. But I'm under strict orders. Masters say everyone has to go through the lobby. The heralds meeting everyone who comes in. I see. Just uh, hypothetically, which way is the fire exit? He smiles. He says, round back. Locked, though. You see... You see Derek, and he's, like, trying to cross. He takes, like, half a step forwards and then stops, shakes his head, steps back, and he just winces at the sight of the bubbling, burbling water. I look over... I I walk over to Derek and whisper, Can you pick a lot? Not particularly. <sighs> is it bad manners to break property that is considered Elysium? Yes. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that'd be a thing. Derek, so you have two choices here. You could yes. try to find another way in, or burn a willpower to suppress your folkloric block and will yourself across this bridge. Yeah, I'm just going to burn a willpower and force my way across. So Derek just looks back at you, Hope. He shuts his eyes tight, then holds out his hands in front of him as if he's a blind man trying to... I'll take them. I'll take them. (laughs) You grab one of his hands... Just focus on my voice, focus on my voice. You got this, you're walking on dry land. It's cool, it's cool, it's cool, it's cool. Come on. You guide him across the bridge and Derek, as, as with your eyes tightly shut, with hope guiding you across, all you can hear is just the gurgling water and it seems to get louder and louder the further There's you no go. There's no phobias. They don't have to make sense. That's why they're phobias. You got this, man. <laughs> you're doing great. Finally, the two of you reach the other side of the bridge. Hope you push Derek forwards into the archway so that he'll be out of sight of the water. And then, Derek, as you open your eyes, and you can still hear the water gurgling loudly, you look over your shoulder, you realise the water is behind you, and you stand within the archway. Do you have any reaction? Is it... Oh, sorry, I don't know what came over me. Just the 
side of the water, I just froze. Is the water Weird. wall that's behind the archway running? Yep. <laughs> the water wall is not running at night, no. Okay, <laughs> that would be very bad. So, so for context, the, the National Gallery, water during the day, in front of the archway, that's the entrance, they have a waterfall oh, Lord. that you have to walk that's through right. to get in. So, but that's so thankfully convenient. not turned on at night. <laughs> okay. Player tip, you might want to save a willpower for when we leave this place. <laughs> oh, God, Good yeah. Point. I'm just trapped here. <laughs> yeah. A security guard oh, whistles yeah. as you step into the archway through the glass doors. He pulls them shut behind you and you hear them click as he locks them. You step into the lobby, a vast open area made of modern blue stone and steel, a big glass ceiling above open to the night sky, moonlight and starlight peering down at you supplemented by the dim by, by the dim nighttime lighting of the gallery itself. Flanking either side of the lobby are escalators and staircases leading up into the gallery proper. It seems to be at least three or four stories tall, wings upon wings stretching up to the night sky above you. But beyond that, on the other end of the lobby, is another archway with a sign proclaiming that it leads to the Great Hall. And spilling out of this archway is a huge source of ambient light. And you can just distantly hear the sound of muffled murmuring voices. It appears the Great Hall itself is the site of Elysium tonight. But before you're able to take even a step further, you hear... The sound of footsteps echoing through the vast lobby and you see walking out of the ambient light of the great hall in your direction is a slender pale skinned blonde woman wearing a red bodycon dress her purple eyeshadow and immaculately detailed lipstick make her look like someone's best attempt to resemble a movie star at an opening gala. Do I recognise her? You do recognise her. She is the Herald, Miranda Bell. She's walking in your direction. She raises a hand in greeting and she says, Hello! Hello! Miss Bell, it's pleasure to see you. She reaches oh. you and makes a small curtsy. She nods at you, Vincent, and says, Mr. Merriweather! A pleasure, as always. She turns to the rest of you and says, You're new to Elysium, I believe. Absolutely. You're very beautiful. Hello, I'm Hope. How nice, how lovely of you to say, she says. She holds out a hand for you to shake and she says, I am Miranda Bell. I'm the Herald. I work closely with Prince Taylor and with Maria Diamante, who is, of course, the keeper of Elysium. And this is her domain that she has graciously provided for tonight's festivities. Oh, we brought the painting too, for the record. She nods right, and yeah. smiles and says, good, good. Prince Taylor will be happy 
that you have reacquired the painting. He's been asking about it for quite some time. Come with me, she says, and she turns and begins to lead you across the lobby. Now, she says, you will be something of the guests of honour in there tonight, I must say. There's been much speculation over the attack. The sheriff's account has already been made known, and there's been a lot of speculation that uh, the Anarchs could be involved. Some speculation about the Sabbat, but of course Prince Taylor drove them out decades ago, and nobody would, uh, nobody would be foolish enough to question the tenacity of the Prince here in his own Elysium. A lot of the speculation seems to centre around Miss Diamante, unfortunately. The nightclub is, of course, one of hers and one of her minor domains. So unfortunately, she's had to fend off thinly veiled accusations and ill-advised gossip all night thus far. Given that you are the ones who are actually there, there will be many within who are going to be very eager to hear your side of the story. She hesitates for a moment, then she smiles and said, myself included. There may even be some boons exchanged for information from certain kindred, if that's something you're willing to engage in. And oh, that reminds me. She looks over her shoulder and says, Mr. Merriweather, your sire is exchanging boons uh, with Victoria Grant again. Something about, uh, something about information of his that he doesn't want to leak in the media. And I understand he has told her that you will be picking up the tab. Just thought I'd make you aware. Yeah, appreciate it. Thank you. Now, she says, halting in front of the archway that leads to the Great Hall, as it is your first time, I will allow you to take stock of your situation and ask me any questions you have. As the Herald, it is my duty to ensure that every kindred enters Elysium fully, of, fully aware of what awaits within, fully aware of what stock they hold and where they stand in the context of the proceedings. It is part of my duty to both Prince Taylor and Miss Diamante, the Keeper of Elysium, that if any intrigue is to be engaged in, any boons exchanged, that it is all done on equal footing and that no unwanted violence or animosity breaks out within Elysium. I turn my back to look at the others and uh, flash the tattoo at her when I do so. So the rest of just you kind of... rest of you just see her eyes linger on the tattoo for a moment, but she doesn't say anything. Well, I have some questions, but if you guys want to go first, go for it. I guess my only question would be the, I guess, what's the basic etiquette, I guess, given I understand being neonates, we probably don't hold much stock around here. She clears her throat and launches into what must be something well rehearsed for her at this point. She says, okay, 
Elysium is a neutral ground for all kindred. Uphold the traditions, respect your fellows, and above all, ensure that you do not engage in the sort of petty violence that the Anarchs like to peddle on the streets. Disciplines are not allowed within Elysium. Anything that provides an unfair advantage is frowned upon. Remember that all are equal within. And then she smiles and she says, but with that, remember to know your place. There are many within who hold particularly, particularly high station. It is up to you to recognize that station and give it due respect. You will be rewarded for doing so. And remember, Elysium's like this sadly not a common event in this domain anymore. Miss Diamante has graciously allowed us to use the gallery for this purpose, so be sure to show her and her domain the respect it deserves. Finally, she smiles and she says, Oh, and by the way, I was going to apologise on behalf of Prince Taylor for the short notice of this Elysium. I assumed you wouldn't have time to prepare, but it seems you've managed to at least make yourselves presentable, so hurrah! She smiles. Thank you. Now, we try. if you'll follow me. She steps into the ambient light and you follow her. It takes a few seconds for your eyes to adjust to the bright light and by the time it by the time they do you're already standing in the great hall huge group look like do not fuck this up yeah do not fuck this up your eyes adjust to the light and you realize you stand in the great hall a vast open chamber so open that it's almost cold a deep purple carpet lines every inch of the floor and in this dim night light it almost takes on the same hue as blood above you there is an exquisite multicolored glass ceiling that tints the ambient light with a variety of fluorescent colors and all around you are kindred of various walks of life you count 50, 60, possibly even more kindred around the hall. All of them in various circles and cliques, almost like you're back in high school trying to find somewhere to seat yourself during the lunch hour. As you enter, I'd like you all to make either... Uh, composure etiquette checks or intelligence politics checks. Three dice either way. This will be great. Way. And four successes, damn. All hunger. One success. One, also one success. One success, okay. Mm. No, also one success. Okay, so all up, at least five successes. We don't spit on the floor. <laughs> Miranda looks around. She looks back at you and she says, Have fun. Refreshments are over there if you need them. She points to uh, 
That was going to be my question. Points to an area on the other side of the Great Hall where, pressed up against the blue stone wall, you see what appears to be a row of five mahogany dining tables, and lying upon each one is a naked mortal. All five of them appear to be blindfolded, and they are lying unnaturally still. Occasionally, you see a kindred approach one of them, raise one of their arms, and briefly feed from it before lowering it and returning to their mingling. If you drink, drink shallowly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Miranda raises There's her eyebrows in recognition. Here for a second. Miranda raises her eyebrows in recognition, and then she looks back at you and she says, Ah... Uh, if you need me, I'll be uh, somewhere around. Try not to embarrass yourselves. And then she lets out a shrill shriek and she says, Ah, Ashton, I hear your sire recently acquired a number of exquisite works from the 18th century. Darling, you must, must convince him to let me come around one time and look upon them and she crosses the hall to approach a group of kindred so with your checks you're able to look around briefly and take stock of Elysium itself and Vincent you recognize several people there are there are many many kindred in attendance today mainly segregated by clan, though there are a couple kindred who appear to be mingling between clans. On one side of the hall, you see the, the, the city's Bruja, or at least the Bruja who remained in the Camarilla and didn't leave to join the Anarchs. Among them, the one you recognize the most is a grey-haired, severe-looking man by the name of Conrad Shrek. He is one of Squizzy's personal friends, and you understand that he controls the city's police force. There are some other miscellaneous Bruharing forces, such as the Hounds, Fenris and Antonio, among the group. But you notice that Larson does not appear to be in attendance. Yeah, we kind of broke his will earlier tonight. About in the middle of the Great Hall stand who you can only presume to be the representatives of the Toreador clan. Their voices, a buzz of gossiping and petty politicking. Each of them looking like stars and starlets that have walked out of the pages of the most recent gossip rag. Among them, you recognise the primogen, Maria Diamante, and as throngs of Toreador gather around her conversing wildly, you can't help but notice that she seems to have a rather distressed look on her face. Miranda wastes no time and has already integrated herself into the crowd of Toreadors. Her voice 
hanging on the air louder than the others as she loudly regales court gossip and recites who owes boons to who, the traditional duty of the Herald. On the far right side of the room, you see your own clan, the Ventru. Although you've been to Elysium many times, you've only committed a few of the Ventru's names to memory, mainly those who you've had personal dealings with. You see your sire, Mr. Elliot, not Elliot Parker among them, along with the primogen, Thornton Adams. You also recognise Melissa Redman and her child, Victoria Grant. Between the two of them, these Ventru control the city's media. There are some other stragglers scattered around the Great Hall. You see some Nosferatu here and there, and the rest of you who aren't Vincent are quite surprised to see Spider in one of the corners, excitedly chatting with someone who may be of any of the three other clans. There's also a small group of people off in another corner, numbering no more than four or five. You see a D's among them and assume that that must be the Banu Hakim clan. Sylvia, you were disheartened but elated at the same time to see your sire, Father Patrick. He seems to be standing on the very edges of the periphery, not really engaging in any socialisation, just silently watching the other kindred mingle. I'm going to, uh, remiss as I am to talk to, to the, uh, Venture, whom I find almost as tiring as Tori does. I'm going to go present myself to Elliot. I yep, turn before, he to goes, before he goes running off, I kind of, I kind of, whoa, whoa, whoa. Can I assume that we're all going to trade the information of what we did tonight for boons? Mm. Or should we keep it under our But I would, I would let them propose that at first. This is okay. not a place for bargaining right now for you at least. Um okay. now, Hope, uh feel free to mingle. Okay. You will not pass as any of the major clans here convincingly. Be uh, vague. You're a caitiff. They don't take very kindly to caitiff. Don't bring it up unless required. Got it. Thank you. Okay. The rest of you should be fine. As you take your first trepidatious steps into the Elysium, you notice, or no, you feel dozens of kindred eyes quickly glance in your direction and the murmuring grows louder. They know who you are and it's obvious that many are keen to talk to you, but none of them wish to be the ones to make the first move. That's confident whatever you do. Alright, I'll see you later. So, what do you all do? So you're going to go present yourself to your sire. What is everyone else going to do? I'm going to go feed, try to feed before things get too hairy. Yep. And then I'm going to start ambling my way toward the Torador. Yep. Derek, you follow... You follow... 
hope for a while towards the refreshments. And when you draw nearer to them, you notice standing in the shadows, out of the way where they weren't immediately visible when you entered, are your own clan, or at least the few who had chosen to leave the Chantry to attend tonight. Perhaps no more than ten Tremere, each of them displaying their symbols prominently and proudly. You recognise your mauler, Seth, among them, and also Professor Cypher, making his one of his rare appearances outside of the Melbourne University campus. They all appear to be huddled, whispering among themselves, and their gaze follows you across the room. So, Sylvia and Derek, what would you guys like to do? It's sort of... I just sort of let out a disheartened sigh and just... Uh, I suppose I should go and... I should go say hi. And I'll, like, go and check in with them. Check in with them. <laughs> Sylvia, how about you? Um, could I roll a, um to try and resist the bloodborne to see whether or not I approach. Yeah, I was just going to say, yeah. so you briefly meet eyes with your sire and he smiles as he sees you and beckons for you to come and join him. Please make a willpower check. Uh, is it just willpower or is just, it... Uh, just willpower and I'll later add your resolve as well. Oh, and do I add the... um? The dots of advantages that I bought? Yes, you do. You may add that as an extra dice. Fun, okay. Require at least five successes. Not even close, okay. Not even um, close. At first you're drawn to the Toria door, but then as Patrick smiles, that cold, lecherous smile and beckons to you, you feel your undead heart almost begin to beat, and before you know it, your legs are moving of their own accord, carrying you over to him. My child, he purrs as you approach. <sighs> These proceedings bore me. It is nice to have one of my own to spend the time with. Yeah, frankly, I'd rather be somewhere else as well right now. No doubt you will, my child, and yet you are here with me, and the scuttlebutt suggests you've been very busy tonight. Yes, actually. I've had a rather eventful few hours. Um, I will tell him everything that's happened I yes suppose. you have no choice so you divulge everything that's happened he listens intently occasionally he nods purses his lips and lets out a hmm yes yes and when you are done telling your story he looks into your eyes and he says when the topic arises you will make no mention of the sabbat you will do your very best to make them believe the thin blood did this or was goaded into it on the orders of the Anarchs. And Hopefully. I would like you to please make for me, Sylvia, a 
rituals, disciplines, presence, potence, oblivion, dominate. I would like you to please make a intelligence plus resolve check. Two successes. Two successes, very well. I'm going to compare it to his. Manipulation plus dominate. It's going to be four plus two. Dice pool of six. Four successes. Mm, You look (laughs) back at him, and in a monotone voice, you just say, Yes, my sire. He looks Uh, at you. Also, I thought you should know, um, or the Coterie has no intention of mentioning any Sabat infiltrator to anyone except the Prince. But, you know. He says, I think you should know. He nods and he says, and you will do your best to dissuade them from that course of action. Now, I release you. I understand Elysium is a rare luxury for our kind, so please go ahead and mingle. Anything interesting you hear, I will be here waiting to hear about it. And then he gestures for you to leave him. Any tips on who I should try to suck up to? He says, the Toreador seem to be up to date with the court gossip. But I'll leave it to you. You have far more of a stomach than I for this Camarilla politicking. I'm interested merely in the power and the protection it provides. I will nod and head off towards the Toreador. Hope. You approach the refreshments. There are three men and two women lying nude and unnaturally still on these mahogany tables. None of them appear to be occupied at the moment. Do you have a particular preference? Well, she's going to push aside the regret because this is the best of the bad choices. And she's going to and uh, lean forward and look for like places where earrings were removed or surgical scars or things that show that they have been modified. Yes, so please make an intelligence investigation check. You may add an extra dice because you're searching for your feeding type. Four dice. One success. One success. You examine every inch of them closely, and as you do so, you feel several kindred watching you. And you look up, they look away, murmuring. You catch a couple of words. The caitiff is particular about what she eats. Ah, perhaps she is a ventrue. You notice one of the women has tiny hole in her right earlobe indicating she used to wear an earring so you approach this woman with shoulder length auburn hair and as you grab her arm and raise it to your mouth she is remains unnaturally still and does not move and thanks to the blind blindfold you can't see the terrified fear written in her eyes that helps a whisper. Sorry. You raise her wrist to your mouth. 
and bite in. The blood is hot and flavourful, clearly cultivated specifically for Elysium. In fact, it has been so cultivated that you immediately taste the powerful resonance within the blood. The blood flows down your throat, warming you like alcohol would warm a hobo. And you realise that the resonance is phlegmatic, lazy, apathetic, calm, controlling, sentimental. And you gain a bonus dice to any awe specs or dominate powers that you have. Which I can't get caught using here, but that's okay. I only take one. You only take one point of hunger, lowering you to two. She looks pale. I'm pretty sure I'm not the first, so yeah. Not daring to risk it. You lower her calmly, and then you turn around just in time to catch a couple of kindred shooting their gaze away from you. Apparently, you had an audience while feeding. I smile, and I turn my back on them and let them see the layers of the wings as I head toward the corridors, looking for Dahlia. Looking for Dahlia, yes. We cross to Vincent, who makes his way towards the Ventru. Vincent, the Ventru see you approaching. At least half of them look in your direction, their gaze lingering upon you as you walk towards them. And as you do, I'd like you to make a wits awareness check, please. Sure. I really should memorize how much I have that one comes up a lot. <laughs> Two successes. Two successes. You hear the Ventru murmuring amongst themselves, openly judging you as you approach. <laughs> Here comes Palmer's little pet. I wonder who he botched his negotiations with tonight. Now, now, don't talk like that. Remember, even though he fucked up, he still has a higher station than you. Oh, do not remind me, Alistair. Do not remind me. Oh, it will be entertaining to watch him fall. (laughs) As Vincent approaches, he says, Gentlemen, ladies, and bows much too deeply and floridly. (laughs) The Ventru, in almost a complete contrast to what they were doing a second ago, smile, wave, and bow at you, welcoming you to Elysium. And how are you tonight, Mr. Merriweather? Good to see you. Oh, you're a much, much nicer face than all of those horrid Toreador, or even the Nosferatu who they've let in tonight. Now, now, friends, let's not be uncouth. There are guests here and they are kindred like us. I turn to um, Elliot, I'm like, how are you, my sire? Please go ahead and make a charisma etiquette check for me. Sure. Um, that is seven. Three successes. Three successes. So I'm going to make a roll for the Ventru. 
because as soon as you turn your back to them, they immediately continue sending thinly veiled barbs towards you. It, it's almost like you're in the scene from American Psycho where they're comparing business cards. <laughs> Mine's embossed, just for the record. And so that is three successes. How many did you get? Three. Three, yeah. So... You spend a few minutes mingling with them, making small talk with a couple of the Ventru, expertly deflecting their barbs and maintaining control of yourself, maintaining all of your willpower. You take no willpower damage and then approach your sire. With Thornton Adams standing beside him, he raises a hand, signalling for some other Ventru to leave him, and the crowd disperses, allowing you to approach him. He and Thornton both take a gracious bow in front of you, and then Elliot smiles, and he says, You've returned from your task. You appear to have made yourself presentable for Elysium, so shall I take that as a sign that you accomplished what you set out to do this time? Naturally, my sire. Went both without a hitch. I do hope you weren't too heavy-handed with your disciplines this time. Everything went according to plan. Beside him, Thornton smiles and says, Relax, Elliot, my dear friend. Cut your child some slack. Based on the rumours we've been hearing, some very nasty things are afoot tonight. The fact that your child made it back in one piece is something you should be proud of. He lets the last words linger in the air. Indeed, says Palmer. And you know what? My child, tonight... You are in a very lucky position. You see, rumours have been flying ever since Prince Taylor called this Elysium. There have been rumours of Anarch involvement, whispers even of the Sabbat. But I said, I said to the other Ventru, just wait until my child returns. I have faith in my child. He will find out what happened. And I will be the first to know. He looks at you, Vincent, narrows his eyes, and he says, So, I understand you will have to brief the prince eventually, but surely you feel that your sire should at least be the first to hear the tales of tonight's adventures. I don't really want to, but, uh... <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know me so well. Some drips forth. I, I regale him with the tale of, of the night. Is but there I, anything uh, you leave out? I definitely leave out anything I found out about Hope. Yep. Um, I, uh... I can remember everything. <laughs> Don't worry, I have uh, no real allegiance to Palmer. Um, I uh, I am frankly, I'm going to be leaving out a lot of details. It's going to be embellished and florid and 
it is abridged. So the key things are, do you mention the Second Inquisition? I do not. Do you mention the Sabat Infiltrator? I do not. So as you regale this, leaving out these key details, I'd like you to make a Wits Insight check. That's two, five, six. We are... Three. Three successes. You notice Palmer... You notice Palmer and Thornton both raise their eyebrows, almost as if they're surprised to be hearing what they're hearing. And Thornton simply says, Hmm, is that so? Perhaps I was concerned of nothing after all. Palmer says, Indeed, my primogen. For all the rumours we heard, it appears it really was that uneventful. My child tracked down the culprit and disposed of her and nothing else. He looks in your direction, giving you a thinly veiled indication that he knows you're holding things back. Vincent just smiles innocently. Would ask you to please make a composure and etiquette check. I got for etiquette. Um, one success. One success. One success to four successes from your sire. <laughs> so you take four points of willpower damage as your sire holds his. Are you impaired? I'm now impaired. You're impaired. Wow, he he out-socialed you in one roll. He holds his (laughs) hands aloft, and he says, I happen to have it on good authority that the Second Inquisition Task Force Harker, to be exact, were engaging in an operation tonight. And the other venture around you murmur, one of them chuckles and says, What a fool. Merryweather thought he could keep something like that back from the primogen and his sire. How disgraceful. Thornton just smiles and says, Now, now. Vincent is doing his due, his due diligence, and he is keeping the salient information for the prince's ears only. Then he looks at you and he says, But indeed, we have it on good authority that the Second Inquisition were involved in an operation tonight, Vincent. Furthermore, that you registered in their database, and therefore came into conflict with them I you're quite right I I intended to reserve that information for the prince that he could disseminate it at his discretion and when you understand that you are well informed Thornton nods and then he says and when you returned from that surprise confrontation miraculously and luckily still alive did you retrieve any intelligence of note from anything the second inquisition had among their possessions that is also information for the prince 
they just look at you. Palmer shrugs and then Thornton says, Fine, fine. You shall inform the prince. That is your duty after all. And then he turns towards your sire and he says, Hmm. Depending on what information they found, you may need to expedite that plan of yours. Palmer nods. He turns to the woman next to him, Victoria Grant, and he says, Miss Grant, if you please, I need you to expedite the trace on that footage you're working on. I will, of course, render a major boon rather than a minor one, and my child will take care of it. He looks at you and he says, I don't suppose that will be a problem, will it, Vincent? Not at all, my sire, he says, bowing his head slightly. We cross over to Derek. Hold on, hold on. Uh, As uh, Vincent splits off to mingle, he he searches out for someone very low-ranking or perhaps a ghoul to go bully. Yeah. You approach, like, you approach one of the very lowest level, like, you, as you're stepping away trying to find someone to, to find someone to bully or to mingle with, you see, you see one of the very newest Ventru neonates, this woman is very small physically and she's looking around, nervous, completely terrified and... This is clearly her first Elysium. You don't know her name. In fact, you suggest you, you you suspect she may have been brought here tonight just to be presented to the prince. And as you're walking, she absentmindedly bumps into you and she says, Oh, oh, I'm so sorry, Mr. Merriweather. Please, please forgive me. I am so new to this. And you turn to her and what do you say? Oh, you know my name, do you? She, she nods and says, of course, uh, of course, uh, I was instructed on the identities of all uh, important people within the court, and I... She trails off. She says, please, I mean no respect, I didn't see you there. I, I couldn't help overhearing your uh, conversation with, with the Primogen just now, and, and please know that I... Uh, well, I respect you implicitly. He sort of just stares her in the eyes and lingers for a moment, and he's like, I'm glad you're well informed. Maybe there's a sliver of a chance you might survive the night. With he this, sort of just she looks, shoulder checks her and walks away. <laughs> shoulder check her, and, and as you look over your shoulder, she looks absolutely terrified. And then you raise your hand to a passing ghoul and say, You, servant. Bring me some refreshments now. I can't be bothered walking all the way over there. <laughs> and we cross to Derek. Derek, you approach the Tremere, and they grow suspiciously quiet as you approach. They disperse as you step towards them, allowing you a clear line to Professor Cypher, obviously deferring to him. Seth catches your eye as you pass and smiles at you in greeting. And then Professor Cypher steps forwards and he says, Derek, Derek, nice to see you. Back from the night's investigations and in one piece. Praise be to Pain and the Dark Mother. He holds out a hand for you to shake. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Makes sense, 
He says, Tell me, the Chantry and I have been most interested in tonight's proceedings. There, of course, have been many rumours flying amongst the other kindred, but we put no stock in them. I had faith that you, as a member of the Chantry, would conduct the investigation with utmost care, and anything interesting you uncovered would be brought back to me. So first, I will ask, is it true that there may be Sabat involvement? Uh, from what we've discovered, that maybe it is a possibility, yes. Professor Cypher nods, and he says, That is most concerning, particularly if it are members of the old clan. I thank you for bringing that to my attention. Members of other clans would not have the loyalty. Your Ventru companion, for example, might wish to hold back such a detail from his superiors. And so, Derek, I personally thank you for looking out for your family amongst the Chantry. Now, if you would like to, uh, give me an account of what happened to you tonight, I'll be all ears. Uh, I give him a, I'll try to give him, like, a quick rundown of it, like, I don't remember exactly what happened, so I know what to leave out. Do you reveal the Second Inquisition involvement? I think I'll re- yeah, I'll reveal that we encountered them, but I'll leave out taking like taking and checking the laptop. Siphon so nods. Yes. He doesn't question you on this. He simply looks towards Seth and he says, as we suspected, looks back at you, he says, I know that I understand that Seth helped you to decode some information you and your coterie acquired several months ago and it is my belief that this information concerns the second inquisition so far i've respected seth's wishes to not allow me to be privy to this information but i do ask you to reconsider your choice the second inquisition are making open attacks engaging in operations now and while i'm glad that you're looking out for the chantry I feel that the only way we will be able to plan contingencies to allow us to survive this coming onslaught is if I am fully aware of all the details. He then uh, smiles. Yes. Yep, go ahead, yeah. Derek. Oh, just, yeah. just, of course, I will just have a few more things I have to run over with it and then I will most likely be getting it to you soon. Of course, he says. Take your time. I expect 100% nothing less from my people. I know that you will ensure that all the information is verified and valid before it reaches my hands. Do you mention to him the Thin Bloods? Uh, that was one of the things I was thinking about. I'm like, trying to, how do I subtly, you know, trying to think about how to subtly bring it up that that might be a thing. <laughs> Well, you mentioned that you fought 
thin bloods at the club, I'm presuming. Yeah. And you are on the topic of the Second Inquisition. Yeah. Mm. So you sort of just look into his eyes and say, well, actually, on the topic of infiltrators, the thin bloods we fought in the club, he raises an eyebrow and he says, what of them? Uh, well, we managed to ensure that two of them were spared from the Scourge's wrath. Indeed, he says. Not many among the Camarilla would harbour them. Myself, I've done the research. I don't consider them to be a harbinger of the end times, like some of the other clans. Indeed, if they do possess some of the abilities that I've read about, they could be very useful tools to have in our pocket, don't you agree? Yes, that's why I... That's why I insisted on keeping Larson away from them. And smart you were, Derek. While I do not think it would be fitting to allow them to be anywhere near the Chantry, or indeed your own haven, keeping them alive and occasionally checking in on them and training them might be a good idea. Yes, that was my general thought. I would... See what their skills were, see if they were worth the effort. I'd like you, Derek, to please make a charisma or manipulation plus etiquette check. Only two successes. Two successes. He smiles. I'm going to make a roll for him. That is three successes. You take one point of willpower damage. Oh, is everything here social combat? Oh, God. And Professor Cypher smiles. He exchanges a glance with a few other members of the Chantry. And he says, I believe in rewarding a job well done. And you were forthcoming with all the pertinent information. So I'll render you a boon. I will allow you to train these thin bloods as infiltrators. Provided that they are in my service. And no matter what purpose or plan you have for them, my interests come first. When I require them, I will send for them. There will be no questioning. There will be no talking back. You will simply point them in my direction and put them to work. Understood? Of course. Furthermore, given the valuable Chantry materials that reside in your haven, I will forbid them from entering your haven, at least until they have proven their loyalty to myself and the Chantry, or until their loyalty can be guaranteed, he says. I would suggest a blood bond, personally. Until then, you will shelter them among the Anarchs. 
that if I hear that you've gone behind my back, I will be disappointed. Of course, I wouldn't think of it. Very well then, Derek. Is there any other business you wish to conduct with me tonight? There's nothing of urgency, no. Well then, he gestures, brushes his hand in the air. He says, head off, Mingle. You have scant time before the prince calls you, but perhaps you might make some friends. And as you walk past, as you turn your back from him and walk again past members of the Chantry, Seth smiles and nods and flashes you a thumbs up. We cross to... Yep, there any, anything else you'd like to do, Derek? Yeah, I'd just like give him like a quick nod as I walk past. Yep. We cross to Hope and Sylvia who meet in the middle of the court, Hope after feeding and Sylvia after being released by her sire. And Hope, as Sylvia approaches, you notice her lips twisted into a barely disguised frown of frustration. Is everything okay? As fine as it's ever been. Um, what are you doing here, talking to the Toreador? I just wanted to catch up with Dahlia for a second. Actually, we never got instructions. Do we give the painting to Squizzy or back to the lady who owns it? Uh, I think maybe straight to Squizzy to be safe. Yeah. So to you. Straight to Squizzy. Straight to Squizzy. So, All right. As I'll you see if I can get Dahlia. Yep. As you approach the throng of gossiping Toreadors, I would like both of you to make a wits awareness check, please. Oh, we are small fry in a school of sharks. Them uh-huh. <laughs> says a nasty word to me. I'm out. <laughs> uh, one success. Here, four, two, one success. God, the dice roll tonight. You catch a couple of brief glances coming your way as you walk towards the Toria door. Their gossiping seems to get faster and louder as you approach. You catch a couple of words here and there. Ah, they were at the club. Yes, they say they say that they stopped stopped the attack at the club, but well, you know what they say. You know what's going around, right? I mean, especially that caitiff. She's in league with She's in league with Sage of the Anarchs, or so they say. Yes, I did hear that indeed. And you know what they say. An anarch attack. Baron Sue back in town. One of us. Or at least she was. And who's going to know the best way to strike back at a Toreador? Well, one of our own. And of course it was Miss Diamante's club. And that painting in particular. You catch Maria Diamante looking quite frustrated shouting to the other Toreador. No! I refuse to believe it! The Anarchs were not involved. There is some other plan at foot, but it is not what you're suggesting it to be. A male Toreador simply shrugs and says, If you say so, my lady. But Baron Sue 
would not have known on her own the significance of that painting and of that club. That is someone who's familiar with your club and you, milady. Perhaps it's... Maria turns towards him, her face in rage, and she shouts, No! My Jackie wouldn't! My Jackie would not do that! You best hold your tongue! Then, if she has anything else to say, she doesn't have a chance to say it, as immediately the rest of the Toria doors turn to face the two of you, flashing obvious fake smiles and bestowing you with false greetings and well wishes. I will make a show of waving back, smiling, turning to look at everyone, and trusting in my tattoo. <laughs> which I've spent four years working on with yeah. obscene levels of skill to give me a little bit of shield, give us a little bit of shielding here, because so, this is what I designed it for. So I would like the both of you to please make a charisma etiquette check and hope you get a bonus dice because of your tattoo. Uh, I can't make a crafts roll. Okay, fine. Oh, okay, you can replace us with a crafts roll. All right. One success in my dice pool of two. <laughs> Messy critical. Oh, no. Nine successes. Yeah. So, Sylvia does her very best to try and blend in, exchanging pleasantries with the Toria door. I strut. Yeah. You hope you just step forwards. You you shoulder check a couple of them, pushing some Toria door aside, and you make your way through the crowd directly to where the Primogen stands showing your tattoo to everyone as you pass by. And on one hand, this display of obvious rudeness puts you on puts you on tenterhooks with several of the Toriador, but on the other hand, a number of them begin to follow you with their gaze, curious about you in spite of themselves, and a couple of them even hold out their hands to greet you, complimenting you on your tattoo. One Toriador in particular shakes your hand and then he whistles and he says, that's amazing. You're you. badass, I'll tell you that. I bet you've got some stories to tell about tonight. Quite a few, actually. I'd love to tell them, but first I wanted to say, Miss uh, Diamante, your painting is safe. She looks at you, her face still screwed up with, 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 with concealed rage. And then she momentarily blushes and she smiles and she says, Oh, oh darling, you're a lifesaver. You've done me a real solid. She says, Squizzy would have had my head if that painting went missing. The garish thing. I wish it wasn't even in the club, but it's a condition of him allowing me to run it. Is it? Oh. She says, but... Well, I wondered why it was there. Huh. Okay, that explains it. She says, but there's one thing that's been on my mind. And as she says it, the rest of the Toreador grow quiet. She looks at you and then looks beyond you at Sylvia. And she says, I've been hearing rumours, and I must know, and I want to hear it straight from the horse's mouth, not through hearsay. And I'll lay it right out. I know you have ties to my child and to Sage. 
So I wish to know, are either of them involved in any way in this attack? Absolutely not. Darling, darling, she says, slacking her shoulders. You have taken a load off my chest. Then she looks around to the other Toria doors, exchanging glances with them. And she says, if the Anarchs were not involved, then it must be... She leans in, quickly glances at Sylvia in the background and says, the Sabbat. Please understand that we really have to brief the prince before we go spreading too many rumors. But I don't know too many other people who could attack the sheriff with dogs with screaming human heads attached. Oh! She gasps audibly. Oh! Oh! And then she loudly looks, she looks around and loudly says, Fleshcraft abomination! All of the Toreador gasp in unison and begin loudly murmuring. Sylvia, you see a couple of them exchange suspicious glances in your direction. Has Madame? Vincent heard any of this? Vincent, you, you hear Vincent, you hear the loud proclaim of fleshcrafted abominations and then the gasp that ripples through all the Toreador. I'm going to saunter over there. I'm going to smile as the professional approaches. Thank you very much for your time. I just want to let you know the painting was okay. And uh, is Dahlia about by any chance? Darling, darling, indeed she is. She raises a hand and makes a hand motion to somebody who darts away into the crowd. And then she says, fleshcrafted abominations. Oh, and I heard it first. Oh, well, we must discuss tonight as a court of contingencies. Darling, darling, allow me to grant you and your La Sombra friend a boon. Oh, thank you very much. Much appreciated. We will accept it gladly. She turns away and once again loudly, loudly proclaims, Oh, the humanity of it! Zemisi fleshcrafting! Why, it's got to be Sabat! At this point, you see Dahlia emerging from the crowd, wearing her regular artist's ensemble. She smiles as she sees you, raises a hand, and then rolls her eyes. And as she directs you out of earshot of the Primogen, she leans in and she says, Perhaps you should have kept that to yourself. That might have been wise, but on the other hand, it's going to come out eventually anyway. I'll pat, I'll pat Sylvia on the shoulder. Can you go back up, Vincent? He doesn't look too good. This won't take long. Yeah, no worries. I had something I wanted to take care of anyway. Yep. Also, and also, I lower my voice as I lead her toward a fountain or something that's making ambient noise. I needed the distraction to talk to you. We've got a problem. You lead her over to the back of the hall where a sound system is playing classical music, the Moonlight Sonata. There's a couple of Nosferatu scattered around it, and as you approach, they move away to give you room. Spider okay. is among them. So. All right. So 
and uh, the sound system where we won't easily be overheard. Okay. Dahlia shrugs and she says, well, the point of Elysium is to make conversations like this difficult. Miss Diamante makes sure of it. Her and the Heralds must be up to date on every piece of gossip and, well, they've made it particularly difficult to have conversations in private, so she shrugs. All right. I'll speak uh, quietly then. I'll speak to the point then. Father Patrick has blood-bonded Sylvia. She looks over at Sylvia on the other side of the room, standing with Vincent. She shrugs. And she says, yes, I suspected as much. Court gossip has been... There's been much court gossip about Sylvia and her sire. Hmm. We believe him to be a bad actor. She smiles and she says, and what do you know? So do I. So do a number of the other Toreador. Rumour has it... Rumour has it... The reason he's here is because he was fleeing the Inquisition purge in Brisbane. Now, we don't have any proof, but when Toreador spread a rumour like that, there's always a basis in truth. Oh, we need to talk later. I need to know. If it turns out that he is a bad actor, can I enlist your help in settling this personally? She looks at you and then she briefly looks in the direction of Spider and the Nosferatu, who are all staring in your direction. She just nods and she says, give me a call. I'll be of, I'll all render right. any help that I can. We'll talk details. I'm getting the other two Ds on board. Well, four if you count, Derek. Dusty all and right. Desmond, she says. Yep. She says, you handle Dusty. I reached out to Desmond myself. Oh, you have an... Okay, good. We'll coordinate over phone and work this out later. Thank you. So I just give... May I give you a hug or is that too mean? Would it get you too mean, girl? She briefly looks over her shoulder and then she shrugs. She says, go ahead. They... We're, we're coterie mates. We, we woke are. up in we, that we're meat freezer locker. together. Yeah. She awkwardly hugs you and then she extracts herself and she says... She says... I'll pass on what you've said to Desmond. I've been right. talking to him for quite a while. She leans in and she says that, remember that first night, our first hunt, yeah. and I, she trails oh, yeah. off. Well, yeah, Desmond. with your group, how'd it go? She says, she says, well, hi. I let the beast take control of me and- Oh shit. For a while, it was all I could think about. Desmond's been been a willing someone willing to listen a set of ears and you know before he was a kindred his job was to listen to people's problems and help them come to terms with them and he's quite good at it I think I shouldn't have fallen out of contact with him I knew he was a good guy she shrugs and glad, she says he I'm glad he's been helping you he actively stays away from kindred these nights. Doesn't want to be any. Doesn't want to have any part in our little games. I'm pretty much the only one he still has any contact in. But I will tell him that we're making a move. He never liked 
Patrick from the first, if you'll remember. He'll be happy if there's some way he can get back at him before he, you know, drops off the radar entirely. Alright. Thanks a lot. We cross over to Sylvia <sighs> and Vince. Oh, oh yep. I'll mention... Incidentally, if you could start quietly putting word out around the Torador that this great creative has been working on a way of making tattoos and finally cracked a way to make them stick on us, I could use the business. She just smiles and she says, I think but you've already handled that yourself. And then she points and you look over and you see a couple of the Toriador um, patting their point. shoulders and bare skin and looking over in your direction. Oh, shit. Yeah, okay. Thanks again. And, uh... Oh, bid her goodbye. Yeah. As you bid her goodbye and head back to join the others, I'd like you to make a wits awareness check. Alright. Didn't go into details, but... Yeah, this is right next to the Nosferatu, so... Three successes. Three successes. As you walk past the Nosferatu, you hear one of them just let out a subtle giggle. <laughs> then when you turn to look at them, they feign ignorance. Oh, nothing, says Spider. It's just, you know, couldn't help overhearing. Happened to know that when you put your mind to something, you're pretty good at it. So, you know, just wanted to let you know it'll be fun to watch Father Patrick take a fall. <laughs> if he's a good man, he has nothing to hide. And I'll turn and walk away. We cross to Vincent and Sylvia. What was the thing you wished to handle, Sylvia? This is going to be slightly awkward because he was acting with Spider, um, but... Yeah, it's okay, you can off, head over to Spider. Um, I will pat Vincent on the back. How are you doing, buddy? You look like you've been through shit. Ugh, what do you want? Um, let's see, how good are you at sussing out if someone's lying? Extremely, why? Because I think we're about to go speak to a liar, and I'm going to put my arm around his shoulder and steer him towards Spider. Oh, fuck's sake. Pass Hope, who's just shrugging at Spider and then walking away back into the crowd. As you approach Spider, his arachnid face twists into another smile and he says, and there she is, the bitch and her new lapdog. To what do I owe the pleasure? He crosses his spindly skeletal fingers together. Ooh, lapdog. How do you feel about that new nickname, Vince? Fuck is that supposed to mean? Uh, well, anyway... Spider shrugs and he says, Oh, it's well known that your sire's complete embarrassment in you has relegated you to being nothing more than this bitch's little Ventru attack dog. I'm oh. looking at Vince. What, what is his reaction? Fuck off, freak. <laughs> Spider laughs. He says, <laughs> that's all you got? I've heard worse than that. 
not in the mood. Sylvia, why am I here? Well, actually, I just wanted to check in with you, Spider. I'm a little surprised that you're here. I mean, after your little, um, uh, falling out with the prince. Well, you remember the night in question. I was made to make a certain promise to the prince, was I not? Indeed you were, and now you're just back. Indeed! <laughs> I'm back, and what's more, I've seen the light. Prince Squizzy is my friend, and I shall render my services to give him what he needs. <laughs> I'm judging Vince subtly. This is his insight cue. Yeah, um, what, what do you want to roll? So if you want to do an insight, <laughs> intelligence plus insight. Sure, insight. Or wits plus insight. Same diff. So that's a mental roll, yeah? Yep. And so you are impaired on this. Okay. Um, one success. And that's without implying the impairment, so... He says it with enough enthusiasm that you kind of believe it, though you know he was not a fixture of Elysium until very recently. And he's, in the past, he was quite outspoken about how much disdain he had for the prince's rules. Well, that's great to hear. I'm all about enlightenment. Um, so, is he just hanging around um, the Nosferatu right now? Or A couple of them, yeah. It's like two or three Nosferatu around him. And they're just silently we, listening in. Did we see him speaking with anyone from any other clans? No. Okay. Right, well, um, you can be honest with me. Uh, I mean... Why are you really here? You know, what sort of information are you lot digging up now? I'd like you to please make a manipulation persuade check. Okay. Five successes. Five successes. He thinks for a moment and then he shrugs and he says... And how do I know anything I tell you isn't going to immediately head back to Daddy? Well, would it really be so bad if you found out? I mean, he knows pretty much everything that's going on here anyway. He shrugs. I suppose... Suppose you're right. Let's just say... I am here because I know there's someone in the cam who's going to bring down a shit ton of bricks on the entire city. And I'm trying to find out who it is, and I believe you know who I'm referring to. Mm, I'll say I do, unfortunately. But I mean, thank you for that. Uh, and how's Broderick doing? How's his arm? He shrugs and he says, Ah, Broderick. I was told to cut him loose, you know, but I didn't. He's been quite helpful for me. He's been digging up information on the people I suspect are out to get us all. Don't you worry about him. Well, I suppose he's been... Um the field for quite a while now. Have you found any other helpers to suss out the people who are a danger to all kindred society on a whole? 
here and there. Gotta be careful who I pick. Can't let Squizzy know I'm, well, essentially infiltrated his court for my own interests, but Squizzy has also made sure that my own interests fall in line with his. He leans in and he says, tell you what, I'm gonna lay it out there. Squizzy's gone and blood bonded me, and so his seneschal, that prick Specs, has me working as part of his spy network. Sorry, and you called me a fucking lapdog. <laughs> he just shrugs and he says, Well, I'm doing it of no. I'm doing it because I'm supernaturally compelled, my dear friend. You're doing it because you want someone's boots to lick. <laughs> Fucking insect. Seeing Vince slowly losing his temper. Um, well, it's been a pleasure. Um, give Broderick my best wishes and condolences. You carry ah, on now. Just wait a minute there, darling. He says he raises a bony finger. He says, and I know daddy's got you blood bonded to him. What's of it? He says, well, if you'll remember, thanks to... You actually, well, saving my life, I owe you a boon. I'm very well aware. Well, how about this? We work together to take out Daddy. Interesting proposal. I'll think on it. Hmm. As a token of good faith, I'll give you some information that Broderick dug up. Your sire, he hot-footed it out of Brisbane one night before the SI started their operation. It was like he knew it was going to happen, had friends somewhere else who warned him. Next thing anyone knows, he's down here in Melbourne. Is... is that all? I mean... You could at least tell me something I didn't know already. Ah! Isn't that what you asked for us who are good at? Touché, he says. Well, I'll tell you this. Have it on good authority that when he arrived, he made a deal with one of the Primogen. They would make a move to destabilize Squizzy, and part of this would be getting him into the Camarilla so that he could act from the inside, put the pieces into place, and once Squizzy is out of the way, and the new prince takes Praxis, your sire was promised a spot on the Primogen Council. And is Squizzy aware of this? Of course he isn't. <laughs> I haven't deigned to make him aware until I can get the proof. Problem is, this is all hearsay. Someone, the person who witnessed your sire making this deal, died shortly afterwards. And any evidence they have of any transactions went with them. I've been trying to dig it up, but I've been unsuccessful. Now we're getting somewhere. That was actually useful. I'm surprised. He nods well, and he says, think about it, darling. Have a good night, Spider. You're fucking yourself, Spider. 
you meet back up with Hope and Derek in the center of the court. And Vince is quite clearly fuming when you meet up with them, Hope and Derek. That went well. Hey, Vince. Oh. Oh, shit. Yeah, now's not the time. (laughs) I think I'm starting to understand what went down in Adelaide. You have... You have no time, however, to elaborate any further as you see Miranda Bell, the Herald, approaching you. Smiling broadly, she raises a hand and she says, Ah, Mr. Merriweather, Hope, Derek, Sylvia, the prince will see you now. All right. You've got the computer, I've got the phone, you've got the head, you've got the dog thing. Who's got the painting? Um, I figure we hit it in Derek's trench coat. (laughs) (laughs) Sound good? Yep. She gestures for you to follow her, and she leads you out of the Great Hall, back into the lobby. For Derek to carry, because he is strong, boy. He's strong. (laughs) We know he's strong now. She leads you back out into the open lobby, and as you walk towards one of the escalators that flanks the side and leads up into the gallery itself, she turns towards you, strikes up casual conversation. So, how was Elysium? I understand a few of you exchanged some boons. Very, very useful. A good start to your kindred dealings. Oh, I'm, it was a very entertaining time. Word I is that a Zemisi flesh-crafted abomination is on the loose. You told him about that? Uh, well, it's hard to keep stuff like this under wraps. Miranda just smiles and says, and might I say, once that got out, well, this is probably the most exciting Elysium I've been in in quite some time. You got Miss Diamante talking. My entire clan have something to feast on. And oh, oh, that you gave our clan the privilege of divulging this juicy piece of information. Oh, simply exquisite. Mm. She makes a chef's, chef's kiss with her hand. First sip always goes to the hostess, no? You reach the top of the escalator. She gestures towards a dark, shadowy hallway lit by emergency lighting that leads into one of the exhibits. She says, Prince Taylor is within. I must admit I'm not permitted to witness the proceedings, but I'm sure I'll find out what happened in there one way or the other. So good luck. She smiles, and she says, Do remember, several kindred owe you boons, and this may be a good time to call them in if you think you need some extra assistance. And then she smiles once more, turns, and starts to descend the escalator. Oh, look at Vincent. Um, call them in now. Sorry. We have two boons from the Torador. We could get them to do something here if we wanted. Would anything they could do be useful here? I... I I think that honestly... 
and apparently I can't think of anything particularly that comes to mind. <laughs> um, did you have anything in mind? As Keeper of Elysium, she could pretty much come in here and back us up. And Primogen. And Primogen, and I mean, we're unveiling the painting, so she has a reason to be here, and she's doing the thing, so... I mean, she's probably the only one who could get past the prince, uh, in, who could have an excuse, valid excuse to be there, and she could basically cover us if anyone in there tried to throw any social flack our way. Fuck, I really am out of it tonight. Yeah, call, call her in. That's a that's a good idea. It's all right, man. It's been a night. It's been a real night. Fucking hell. Honestly, you've been doing way better than I expected to you, too. You've been so... <laughs> seeing, seeing Miranda halfway down the escalator, you raise a hand, call out to her, and she looks over her shoulder, and you just call out, Tell Miss Diamante we're pulling in our boon now, tonight, in the Prince's domain. She just nods. And then you step down the hallway into the gallery. I request your presence with us for this. She nods as she begins to cross the lobby. At the end of the corridor, you feel the force of Prince Squizzy Taylor's personality before your eyes find him. The tiny man projects a huge aura to everyone around him, making up for his small stature with the sheer oppressiveness of his anger and authority. He stands across the gallery from you, his back to you, as he admires a massive Sidney Nolan painting featuring, of course, Ned Kelly in his trademark armour. Without breaking his gaze on the painting, he speaks. You have brought me something. As he says this, two other figures step out of the shadows, flanking him, illuminated by the emergency light. The one on the right, the seneschal, specks, his eyes quietly calculating and analysing your every move. And on his left, looking almost the same as the night upon which you met him, is Martin Langley, Squizzy's new child. The pallor of his skin and his bloodshot eyes telling you that he is now a kindred. Sir, we have in fact brought you four things. And I think that each one of them will please you. Squizzy turns around. He says, I hope they I will. I glanced to Martin. I glanced to Vincent. Yes. Do you want to take uh... it or shall I? I think I can handle this. Our assignment has gone swimmingly, my prince. And Interesting, would... says Squizzy. I knew I could count on my friends. We would be most honoured to present uh, spoils from our adventures. Um, shall we begin with... He exchanges a uh, glance with Specs. Specs nods, and then Squizzy says, "Let's begin, friends. I understand you have a present, so uh, let's get to it." And as he says them. this, you hear footsteps echoing in the hallway behind you, 
and suddenly Maria Diamante emerges into the dim emergency lighting. She spends a brief moment glancing at the paintings on the wall, silently admiring them, and then she clears her throat. Spex frowns and says, Ms. Diamante, you are not permitted to be part of the proceedings tonight. Maria just... Maria flashes him a smile and says, Darling, darling, you are the Seneschal, so of course you are supposed to be here. But please, you do not speak for the Prince, and I am a member of the Primogen Council, and as such, I should be made aware of anything the Prince is considering issuing as a decree, furthermore, when it's taking place on my domain and concerning events that happened on my domain. And property, I say as I unveil the painting. Reach into your bag, pull out the painting. Maria takes it, and you see her just shudder with disgust as she places She can't stand the garish thing, but she nods and says, And my property, which these darlings have graciously returned. She bows before Squizzy proffers him the painting and says, My prince... He smiles, he takes the painting, gazes at it, holding it aloft like a father holding a newborn baby, and he says, Ah, oh, oh, lovely, lovely, and not a speck of damage on it. Specs opens his mouth to say something, but Squizzy raises a hand and says, No, no, Specs, she can stay. This did happen in her nightclub, and it is her painting. He smiles and then hands the painting to Martin, who quickly turns around and stows it in a duffel bag with none of the care that you, Maria, or Squizzy used when handling it. Squizzy says, Since Lady Diamante is here, let me lay this down on the table. I've just been on the phone with Larson. Now Larson's taken it upon himself to solve this investigation. He's currently staking out the haven of a Toreador by the name of Angus Lowe. You see Maria's face twitch momentarily with concern. He says, that's right, one of your inner circle, Miss Diamante, and the man who runs the nightclub as your proxy, if I'm to understand it. She nods. Squizzy remains silent, but Ste Spex clears his throat and says, We have reason to suspect, given the theft of the painting, that this was a an attack specifically targeted against Prince Taylor and that inside knowledge was required to this end. And so we have no choice for now but to agree with Mr. Larson's assessment that Mr. Lowe must be brought in to face the consequences. Unless your, new, unless your newly minted friends here can convince Prince Taylor otherwise. Shall we take it from the beginning, Vincent? I think that would be best. Uh, first up, we have... Uh, Yes, we have some information and some uh, evidence, as it were. First of all, if you may present the object in question. Hello. 
Which one? Uh, what should we start with? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which one do you want to start with? We should start with the head. We're just going to go a bit longer for today's session because it is a birthday session. Okay. So, I'd like to save the best for last, but it is uh, it's a good thing our tricks, nonetheless. Oh, the sheriff has the footage, but we have a, we identified the attacker. Oh, says and Squizzy. She didn't come quietly. You see Specs just stare at it, and his eyes narrow. And, and I'd like fact, the... I'd like the th all of you to please make wits insight checks. All right. Five dice. Uh, one success. Five successes with a critical. Three successes. So you all notice as um. hope drops Lily's head onto the polished wooden floor. Oh no, I set it down. Oh, yeah. You set it down carefully on the floor. I don't want to stain it. That Spex's eyes briefly flicker with what appears to be recognition. But then he notices that you're looking in his direction. And his face returns to a mask of neutrality, his eyes back to silently calculating and analysing. Martin takes a step forward. He reaches into his pocket and pulls out a smartphone. You watch as he stands still for a moment and colour floods into his pale skin as he rouses the blood. Then he points the phone at the head. You hear a loud beep and he nods and he says... Lily Marie Harper, date of birth, 11th of the 12th, 1971, declared missing in 19, declared missing 1991, declared legally dead 1998, he begins to rattle off her bank account numbers, her Medicare number, and the names of her next of kin, who have apparently since passed. Actually, actually, can I just like, take two minutes to just pause quickly? Yep. Thank you. Sorry, I'll be right back. That's okay. No worries. Hope, we're enjoy hope you're enjoying this Elysium session. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know why I went up and offered threw the Sabbat under the bus, right? Got that rumor out there, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh. To get the fingers solidly the fuck away from the Anarchs. Yeah. That was my hidden motive. Oh dear. Yeah, because you, you owe that to Sage. You promised Sage that you would do your best to defend the Anarchs, as you're essentially yeah. one of them at this point. And it's easiest when it's true. Yes. Yeah. And hearing her... No, I was just, yeah, just going to say, I, I like my boon that isn't really a boon. Yeah. Yeah, he kind of... <laughs> like my boon that was a threat. <laughs> I'm giving you stuff that comes with more obligations and no real benefit. Yeah. Tremere! Yeah! That's how the Tremere do things! Maybe not all of them. We need to have a talk about a Goratrix guy at some point. But that can be a pizza party thing. So, at the mention of uh, the mention 
Angus Lowe, by the way. You all see Maria bristle with rage. Her face grows red. And in addition to all of the barbs she's been fending off tonight, this is the thing that seems to piss her off the most. And if you didn't know who she was, you would suspect that she's on the verge of frenzying upon hearing that Larson has his eyes set on one of her people. Well, we're about to give her good good news on that front, too. And... Once uh, Vincent gets back. Yeah. So I would continue, but we kind of need Vincent to do the negotiation. Sorry, I should have to try. Ah, there we go. That's all right. So... I I I can set Vincent up anyway, if you want. Martin... Martin lowers the phone, looks over at Squizzy and Specs, and says, Known Anarch sympathizer and blank body, known and registered in the SI database. Well, 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 says Specs, an Anarch sympathizer. That is what we might have thought. I suspect there may be more to it, yes. Squizzy just nods and says, there better be, because Larson's chomping at the bit, and I'm sorry, Maria, he gestures towards Miss Diamante, but in your club, inside knowledge, and now a known Anarch sympathizer, I got no other choice. I have to consider that your Jackie's behind this. There's more to the story, my prince. He just he nods and... Out. He nods and he says, Ah, my friend, Hope, you've proven many times now why I rely upon you, so please enlighten me. Strangest of strange, when we went after her, we went in guns blazing, and she took the bullets like a human. She was a thin blood. Thin bloods now. Turned in 1990. Turns out we got her phone and her journal. Her very masquerade breaching journal. As you say this, Specs looks up from the device he's peering down. It immediately looks in your direction and he says, You secured devices from her person. Oh, it gets better. Vincent, you want to tell them what was on the phone? What was actually on the phone? Okay. <laughs> I'm, trying remember, I'm trying to remember the details. That she was working with the SI, or that the SI yeah, were... That the, the Anarch's contact with her was basically getting her out of town because she was a thin blood, but then she hooked up with the Sabbat. Yes, says Sabat. Squizzy. And I ran them out of town decades ago. And yeah, yes. they could have snuck back in, but, well, it would be right up Baron Sue's alley to... Uh, go and hit one of my clubs and dress it up as a Sabbat attack. That's not exactly compelling evidence. We've actually got some evidence on that front, too. Mm, and I still love was a particularly unique uh, character, indeed. <laughs> she, she was drinking some sort of goop from this, and I pull out the flesh-crafted heart. Squizzy whistles, and then he looks over at Specs, and Specs nods and says, uh, This is chewed, sir. Squizzy nods. <sighs> Thought as much. Okay. So Probably someone's more. got a handle on flesh crafting. Could be Sabat, but you know, 
I've heard it. I've I've heard the rumor flying around these nights that the Zamisi, as a clan, have officially thrown in with the Anarchs. So. Yes, uh, these didn't seem like anarch tactics, to say the least. Mr. Diamante, are you familiar with the current state of your uh, premises? She looks at you and she says, I've been told, I haven't seen it for myself. It's, uh, it's in a rather sorry state, I'm afraid. Uh, our, uh, our thin blood, she not only slaughtered the populace of the club quite mercilessly, we also found that she had uh, embraced rather indiscriminately. We had to deal with a, a handful of newly born thin bloods. We put them down, of course. She audibly gasps. <gasps> Darling! She looks over at Squizzy and she says, Angus would never do anything like that, nor my Jackie. Jackie is of strong blood. She is my child. Anyone she embraces would not be a thin blood. And flesh-crafted hearts are one thing, but show them the dog head. You pull out the dog head, look at it with disgust, and drop it on the floor. At this, Maria gives off the most dramatic half-gasp, half-scream that you've ever heard. It's something straight out of a 1930s pulp monster movie. You almost expect her to faint in a dead drop. About half a dozen of these attacked Sheriff Adiz while we were on the trail. You see Martin look at it pensively, but Specs and Squizzy both stare at it, knowing what it is. He exchanges a look with... He exchanges a look with Specs. Specs silently says something back to him and then Squizzy turns to you and he says look I know you like to think the Anarchs wouldn't do things like this that they're rabble rousers and nothing more but then he trails off and he says no I have to admit that's seriously fucked up. Specs nods and says, I agree, sir. But the Anarchs could be doing this as a false flag operation to undermine your influence and bait you into making a move that opens you to Baron Soup. Anything's possible. There was one other uh, force involved in tonight, though. After we killed her, we were ambushed from above by a second Inquisition force. As you say this, Martin just looks up at you, and for a moment you see the same flicker of recognition in his eyes that you observed in Specs. And then, almost like they're sure you're not looking, you see Martin and Specs exchange brief glances, a fraction of a second, where they shift their eyes in each other's direction and then look back at you. And, and Martin and Specs? We're about to make your damn day because those guys had a laptop in their way in their ham listing post. As you pull it out, Squizzy turns towards Martin and he says, 
You told me the SI had withdrawn from this part of the city and were building up in the suburbs. That's what you said Task Force Harker was doing. Yet here they are, and they've tried to take out my troubleshooters. Martin shrugs, and he says, I confess, ever since I've been granted the gift, my lines of communication with them have been sporadic at best. It's possible I just wasn't informed. I don't have access to all of my usual contacts, and... Specs gestures it's... towards the laptop, and he says, I don't suppose you've had a look through that yet? I, I open it up to show the lock screen. Don't know the password. Squizzy shrugs. And Specs looks at him and says, uh, It's locked, sir. It's going to require some decryption at the very least. If we get into there, maybe we can hope that they've left some sensitive files. If they've locked it, they surely have something worthy of hiding. And Squizzy says, oh, I don't care. Just take it and crack into it or whatever bloody hell you do. Well, we've got this. I don't have the head for side. these modern pieces of shit. He gestures. And, yep. Could you perhaps find them a private room where they can do work on these quickly? Maria nods and she says, Indeed. And ordinarily, you would have to roll a check to convince them to go do it on their own, because Squizzy would demand to be there while they do it. But as you've called in Maria, she simply steps forwards and she says... Perhaps it's best that you do this away from prying eyes, gentlemen. She glances over her shoulder at the rest of you and she says, Please, follow me. Uh, one of the staff rooms beyond this wing should be secure enough. Martin and Spex exchange a glance. Spex looks over in your direction and you see his eyes narrow ever so slightly, almost as if he's showing the vaguest hint of frustration. And then he shrugs and he says, Well, come along, Martin. I'll show you how the defences of your precious Inquisition can be breached. And they follow Maria out of the room. You hear their footsteps echoing along the open gallery for a couple more seconds until they round a corner and are out of earshot. Bloody computers. Always with computers and the, and the fucking phones, says Squizzy. Why don't people just write shit down on paper like they bloody used to, and then we could have had this sorted right now? Actually, Prince, I'm very sorry I told a lie. He looks at you, and then... I did know the password to the computer, and I read the files that were in there. He half smiles and he half smiles and he says, I'm going to choose to pretend that I don't know or understand what you're talking about because I suspect you did it for a reason and you've done me enough services by now to earn the benefit of the doubt. So Hope, kindly inform me why you have lied to your prince and held back very sensitive information and are wasting the time of my seneschal and my spymaster. Because the Second Inquisition claim files say that they were tipped off by an infiltrator 
well-established in the blank body culture, an infiltrator who was able to know most of our names and pinpoint the route that we are going to take. Hmm. An infiltrator who was recently, who came from Brisbane originally. And we don't know who that infiltrator is, and that scares the fuck out of us. Squizzy's silent for a moment. Then all of a sudden, in a whirl, in an instant, he clenches his right fist, turns around, and loudly shouts, FUCK! And punches the wall, searing the Sidney Nolan painting in two halves. He takes a deep breath. And then he turns. We told the sheriff, and he recommended that we tell you and only you. At this point, I will please ask Sylvia to make a willpower and resolve roll. Uh, willpower and resolve, sir? Yes. If you have blood, you can use it to boost resolve. Can boost it. I will do that. Um, success on the rouse check. Success on Don't the rouse check. Um, five successes. Five success. Oh, that's just enough. I was going to say you needed five. Oh, At this oh. point, Sylvia, you feel a compulsion. Your sire's voice echoes in your mind. Here is when you should be stepping in and informing the prince that the infiltrator associates with anarchs and is part of Baron Sue's court. But you stand there, summoning up all the willpower you have, trying your very best to keep your mouth shut. You sink your teeth into your lip, hoping the pain will distract you, and then as the blood rolls out of your mouth, you clutch your torso, and everyone just sees you standing there, violently shaking, as you resist the compulsion. Squizzy looks over at Sylvia, seeing her standing there, seeing her shivering, biting herself to use the pain to distract her. And he smiles, and he says, And I suspect Sylvia here was under strict orders to try to point the finger at a certain someone else. What do you fucking think? He says nothing, and then he just smiles, looks at you all, and he says, So, who do you think the infiltrator is? You've brought me this information, but I can't do anything with it unless I know who it concerns, and furthermore, what proof you have of their plans. We have the original files from the laptop, and we have the story from the phone. They mentioned the Sabbat. They mentioned the Second Inquisition. I only know one person from Brisbane who was involved in both the, was involved in both the Sabbat and the Second Inquisition business. Squizzy sighs, and he says, It's like my mum used to say, you know, never trust a Catholic as far as you can fucking throw the bastards. (laughs) 
now is not the time to lecture the prince on political correctness. <laughs> and then he says, that was sombre prick. I know who you're referring to. I know who I'm referring to. But a reference in a file isn't going to yeah. be enough to bring my full force yeah. down on him. You understand that, right? I understand. There's no hard evidence. He played it well. He steered, he got a hold of an ant, disposal asset, steered user right to lure us right in a place where he tried to take all of us out. He's silent for a moment and he looks over at Vincent and he says, and your sire was the one who vouched for him, if I'm to understand it. Indeed he was, my friends. Now, the word of an influential Ventru doesn't come cheap. That means the dear father rendered a boon for your sire. Something important enough to be worth him vouching the father into my circle. Yes, I believe you may be correct. Like I said before about the Catholics, never trust a fucking blue blood as far as you can throw the bastard. Narrows his <laughs> eyes as he looks at you. And then he claps his hands together. And he says, now, if I'm understanding you correctly, Specs and Martin are in there wasting their time right now. They're going to crack into that bloody laptop and they're going to find the file and it's going to have all mentions of any infiltrator scrubbed, right? As best I could, but Martin's good. I, I don't know. I tried. He says... With all due respect, my prince, I don't think I should be present for this conversation. While I still have a modicum of self-restraint, I think I'm going to leave. He just nods and he says, good idea. Best if you don't know, love. And he gestures for you to leave, and still using your sheer willpower, you turn and force your body out of the room and begin descending the escalator at the end of the hallway out into the lobby. And when you reach Thank the you. bottom, when you reach the bottom, you just open your mouth and go, and throw up blood all over the immaculately polished floor. Meanwhile, upstairs, Squizzy narrows his eyes. He looks at Hope, then Derek, then Vincent in turn. He says, you played it well tonight. Court politics, not my thing, but I've picked up a few tricks in all my years. And might I say, getting, getting the primogen in here? To lead my men away? You you know as well as I do that uh, I wouldn't have let my seneschal and my child leave me alone in the room with neonates who've just returned from a possible Sabbat attack. There was nothing you could have done that would have convinced me to let them leave the room. I would have simply heard what you had to say, dismissed you, and then had them crack it in front of me, but somehow you impressed the primogen enough to have her pull her sway. So tonight, I'm going to do something against my better judgment, and I'm going to trust you 
ahead of my own seneschal and child. There is an infiltrator among us, someone who is working with the Second Inquisition to destroy us all. Furthermore, someone who is working in the shadows to undermine my influence, my praxis, as the prince of this city. I now give to you your new task. You are no longer Squizzy's troubleshooters, he smiles. You are now Squizzy's secret police. He says, from now on, every fibre of your being will be devoted to digging up dirt on that Catholic fuck. Anything you can find and bringing it to me. I want it. The evidence. The evidence that he is betraying us. And then I will call a blood hunt on the fuck. And I need you to do it without making her, he gestures towards the empty space where Sylvia was, aware that you're working against her sire. And if it means breaking the blood bond, I will offer my services. Nice, but to serve you, my prince. It would probably be best if you sent us on, like, irritating missions for a while to keep up the facade. That would give more Father Patrick more chances to screw with us, more chances for us to collect evidence. Indeed, he says. Mm. In the coming nights, we shall put up a facade of normality. As far as everyone outside this room knows, this was a, a simple attack by a wayward thin blood working under the auspices of the SI. Perhaps they were manipulating her to draw the rest of us out. Nothing more. I will hold the fort and I will continue to send you on menial tasks, but it is merely a cover. Everything you do from now on is to help me catch that bastard. Do you understand? Implicitly. Completely. If I may, my prince, uh, yep. as you rightly pointed out, my sire has uh, close ties with the Catholic, as you put it. I feel I would be best put to use in his nivicinity. Squizzy smiles and says, you got it. I'll make sure your standing is restored among your clan. Thornton talks a pretty game about how, as the primogen, he doesn't have to be beholden to every one of my orders, but I am still the prince, and I will speak to him. Stay close to your sire. Dig up anything you can. I've long suspected the Ventrua working against me. I've long suspected someone among the primogen has designs on my praxis. Bonus points if you bring me proof that that prick Thornton has a hand in this. Then he looks over at Hope and he says, One last thing. I've been hearing rumours about a Zemise flesh-crafted monstrosity 
coming from the Toria door. You discover anything else like that, it comes to me first. Not to any of the Primogen, especially not to one who will run her mouth on every piece of gossip that falls into her lap. Understand? I bow my head. I will endeavor to impress the importance of your station upon my uh, compatriots. Now I have to run damage control, make sure those rumors amount to nothing, and somehow convince all of the members of this court that this, this thin blood was actually someone who had a hold of the messy discipline that is not well spread outside of their clan, and, well, he smiles. Maybe it'll put a bit more heat on Baron Sue and her people if the rest of the Camarilla think that there are now rogues amici among the Anarch ranks. Don't blame me, he says. He puts his hand up and he looks at you, Hope. He says, Jackie comes asking. You're the one who let that slip. And then he claps his hands together and he says, Right, dismissed. You're done with Elysium. Head home, get some rest. As soon as the sun goes down tomorrow night, begin your new task. As your prince, I am proud to have you in my service. But more than that, I am proud to call you my friends. Squizzy's cold smile glimmers in the dimly lit room. And we end this week's session. Alright. You each gain uh. three experience points. And in addition, you each gain one dot of status, Camarilla. Due to how you handled Elysium. I was a little, little like, hesitant to do anything particularly outlandish in uh, the latter half of that, just in case. Yeah, well, you're already prepared. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. No, yeah. Just... I was being cautious because I, I had one will left, and I'm like, I'm going to need that to leave. <laughs> 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 so, from now on, there's going I to be... Worked out. There's going to be a period of five months downtime as the Jeez. next story titled Old Sanguine, takes place as we ring in the new year of 2021, closing this year with a bang and hopefully bringing an end to Father Patrick's machinations. Okay. Just for the, no, just for the record, I would have it that uh, Vincent just silently and quite quickly walked out of Elysium and didn't, like, acknowledge yeah. the coterie all after that. He's fucked. Yeah, he, he's, he's, he's quite <laughs> well and truly tired after everything he's been through tonight. So, I think everyone is. So most right. of your downtime will be consumed with keeping up the facade of normality, running seemingly menial tasks for Squizzy while simultaneously keeping your ear to the ground, trying to dig up any information on Father Patrick's. That leaves little room for you to actually follow your own purposes, which means I will ask at the beginning of next session each of you to come up with a maximum of two 
downtime activities. Okay. I have mine already plotted out. Yeah, I know what yours are. Operation insert takeaway box into Sylvia's body and get in touch with Dusty, I believe. Yep. That is correct. Yep. (laughs) Also coordinating with coordinating with Dahlia to make sure things go smooth and she's in the loop. Yep. And Derek, one of your half one of your downtime actions is already going to be taken up by training your thin bloods. Yeah, I was about to ask that, yeah. Yeah. So you you have so you have just one to one spare downtime action that you can perform. And of course, Sylvia, you only get one as well, because one half of your downtime is going to be spent doing your sire's bidding as he continues to enforce his will over you, which will hopefully come to an end very soon. Yeah, fair enough. So, yeah, so Vincent and Hope, you get two, and Derek and Sylvia, you each get one. Thank you for the fun session. I hope everyone who is listening to this recording enjoyed our first full social session of the campaign. And I hope you were sitting on the edge of your seats, just like I was. That was Render Unto Caesar, Episode 9 of Vampire War for the Second City, a Vampire the Masquerade 5th Edition actual play podcast presented by DM Fiat. With me, Dale, as storyteller, Lost Demiurge as Hope, H-Quen as Sylvia, Paradox Mimic as Derek, and Ash as Vincent Merriweather. Music was created by Kevin MacLeod and is used with permission. Vampire the Masquerade and the World of Darkness are the registered trademarks and property of White Wolf Entertainment and Paradox Game Studios.